It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy, and it's about people. It's about fine. It's finally about people, and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept.、Uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny、uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence. Great taste, wonderful to look at, full of guts. Nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang bang and people fall over and dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Welcome back to Generation Skywalker. We're here for a bit of a special show tonight. It is our first anniversary, and who better to join me and celebrate this than some of the fantastic hosts we have over here?、Uh, I've got with me Craig Spivey. Good evening, Craig. Sorry, I was、um, I was just helping myself to some twiglets. It's a lovely spread you put on for us, Stuart. Can <laughs> we a... can we afford all this? <laughs> Well, shh, I didn't send any to the other two. <laughs> also, we have got with us Mark Daniels. Good evening, Mark. Good evening, mate. What time are these、um, fantastic hosts turning up? <laughs> well, maybe they'll pop in during the show. And、uh, finally, Dan Burgess. Good evening, Dan. Good evening. How are you? Very well. Grant and Jez aren't with us due to circumstances, but I'm sure you will hear them in some kind of form over the course of this show. So we're just taking a, a bit of a break from our normal shows to to bring you this because we started a year ago and it's it's been a lot of fun and a lot of work and I think we've all、uh, all bonded over it but we haven't been able to see each other which has been a real shame so hopefully as we come out of lockdown we can take this to to new levels but we want to look back at what we've done over the last year. Hi guys, Mark Hockley here. I just wanted to wish Generation Skywalker a very happy first birthday. Keep up the great work, guys. So, Craig, I'm going to hand over to you just for why we're really doing this show tonight. I mean, you could think that it's going to be a big self-congratulatory hoo-ha for ourselves, but really, it's a big thank you. It's a big thank you to all the listeners. You know, we're very aware that there are a staggering amount of podcasts out there. I think as of January last year, there were 850,000 active podcasts, and that equates about 30 million episodes. 
whatever you're into that's bonkers we we, we know that if you search for star wars podcasts on podbean 99 come up straight away on spotify i stopped counting after it got to a thousand so we want to acknowledge that we want to acknowledge that you know you have big choice of things to listen to a big choice uh, of things to engage with and whether you are just tuning in to check us out for the first time or you are a regular listener thanks for sticking with us Hi, this is Grant from Generation Skywalker. Just want to say happy birthday, lads, on the first year of our project. Um, I think you guys have laid really good uh, foundations for this project to expand in the second year. I want to give a big shout out to Stu, because Stu is the major motivator behind this project. And there's, there's a lot of research to ensure that we create the best content that we can. I think uh, I need to give a shout out to Craig as well for all the work that Craig has done on the website, his blogs, and uh, all of the graphical work he's done. And with Dan, Jez, and Mark, I really feel like I'm working with a, an A-team that can produce really exciting and interesting Star Wars content for the next year as well. So uh, happy birthday, lads. Um, to our listeners as well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you for supporting it in any way that you can. Hopefully you can become... Uh, a, a part of this show and uh, and to anyone who's actually came on uh, and 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 taken the time to be interviewed I, I really appreciate that kind of support as well so here's to year number two guys and i'm and i'm really excited about making some really exciting star, uh, generation skywalker content so thank you very much <laughs> This came out exactly a year ago today when we launched this show. I think we have to acknowledge the year we've just lived through. We didn't plan it. Um, we'd been working on this for three, four months, I suppose. But two days before we released our first show, all major sporting and cultural events in the UK were suspended as the country's coronavirus death toll rose to 11. What a number when you compare it to what it is now. And the day after we launched, Downing Street announced it would hold daily press conferences to update the public on the fight against the outbreak of COVID. The following week saw schools closed, swiftly followed by much of the leisure industry with a full nationwide lockdown announced on March the 24th. Does anyone have any thoughts about the last year and doing the podcast? It's definitely been a distraction for me. It's got me through and I suppose for me, it's, you know, I don't know what the, the listening audience think, but for me, it's been a, you know, a, a real way of, I suppose, stepping away from that reality and almost having an event every month and talking Star Wars for a couple of hours. Yeah, it's been nice. And I know, Craig, you mentioned it the other day. I think all of us have been affected due to the pandemic. People have lost loved ones. And I know some of our listeners have. I know one of our guests has lost a two members to COVID over the last year. And that's absolutely devastating. I'm sure it's touched a lot of our listeners. done because myself jez grant and simon at the start we, we've all worked and came from another star wars podcast 
and that which was just an audio release each month. So one thing that we wanted at Generation Skywalker was to have a, an unlimited, what we could cover, anything to do with Star Wars, is nothing's off topic, and we wanted to do it across different media and different sort of channels, not, not just an audio podcast. So before we get into the shows themselves, Craig... And I come over to you because you were the talent behind getting the whole system set up behind the scenes, you know, the getting it all pulled into into one place. That's been fun to do. So I'll, I'll, I'll break down all the things we get involved in. So listeners might know us for one thing, but this is our opportunity just as we look back on the year to highlight some of the other things we do. So obviously we are more than just a podcast, as you've just said, but it's still very much the core of what we do. It's everything's built around the shows really you know we aim to put out at least two main shows a month but we dot other shows around that in something like a themed month like we did um, book month in september or the the run-up to christmas we had a lot more shows sort of out there but generally a couple of shows a month and we try and keep each show typically between one and two hours that kind of works it's it's enough of a chunk to to get deep with the subject or a number of subjects but it's not you know a four-hour marathon for people that have you have to really commit to that and this year so far we've put out 38 shows averages out at around 3.2 shows uh, a month and you can find download subscribe to uh, the audio podcast on podbean apple Podcasts, spotify alexa anywhere really that you like to listen to podcasts and we started running these as we have established back in march and a couple of months in we uh we did a standalone show with myself mark and Stuart, uh, all about the helix project that we worked on I followed Helix on, on Twitter and it was at the time when Twitter was, was very big and it was very interesting and fascinating and, and, and distracting. And um, Helix tweeted out this uh, this picture of an old Oxford math set with words to the effect of, you know, check out this old math set, isn't it cool? And I just happened to have one of my Star Wars um, Helix math sets sat on my desktop as an image and I sent them that back as a tweet and said you know it's kind of cool but it's not as cool as this one and they were fascinated with it they were absolutely fascinated that this Helix product existed with with uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 on it and we got into a conversation in uh, direct messaging about this collection so I sent them a few pictures and uh, of the display I had at home they couldn't believe that they'd worked on Star Wars. You know, generations had passed and, and it had been lost in the midst of time. Well, they literally didn't know that that even no, well, done it, the line. It turned out, and I didn't realise this at the time, I was talking to their PR company who were handling their social media. So, But then when you got into the business a little bit deeper you know there were people in there who didn't know that they'd done star wars there were older people there as we as we as we met um later on who absolutely remembered it and uh, uh and could tell you some stories but you know the people doing their jobs in marketing it, it wasn't something that they it was common knowledge certainly we rocked up to um uh, to present this talk to them we, we had a few samples with us i don't know about you mark i, I was expecting just to sort of have a chat in the boardroom with three or four guys from marketing. Well, I, I've got to say, mate, that, um, you know, presenting to the warehouse staff when you got some burly warehouse lads at the back of the, the back of the room and looking a bit nonplussed about what you're talking about, it's, um, it's, 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 it was, 
it was a bit daunting to say the least because I wasn't expecting that. I just thought it was going to be a few of the managers and directors and the marketing team in a, in a boardroom and we were just going to stand there and uh, deliver our collecting track. And it wasn't. It was in, it was in front of the whole place. Uh, the factory floor workers, the pickers, the packers, the, the drivers, uh, the cleaning lady was in there. Uh, the, you know, the, the catering staff, it, it, it was the full Monty. There was about uh, sort of eight people in the meeting talking about this uh, this, this stuff. And um, Grant and I were sat down talking to one of the, the marketing girls at one end of the table and, and Craig was at the other end of the table uh, sort of halfway through this uh, presentation. And um, this marketing girl got, got this box out and uh, actually plucked the new... Uh, Death Star sharpness. Now, bear in mind that we'd only seen flat artwork for this. This was the first product that we'd seen uh, since the original release in 77, 78. And out came this little Death Star sharpener and she said, um, we've got a gift for you. There you go. These are the first ones. These are the prototypes. And she handed one to me and one to uh, Grant. And Craig, I'll never forget it, just stopped absolutely dead halfway through his conversation and just just home straight in and, and came over and went, oh, what have you got there? <laughs> Not, not wanting to miss out at all. And, of course, she gave him uh, one of these uh, prototype Death Star sharpeners, which is slightly different because it was very much like a, a sort of Salvador Dali painting. You know, the uh, the round circle bit of the Death Star where the gun is. That, they couldn't get the artwork right on it. And on the initial production run, this round thing looked like it was drooping. It was melting and it melted over the band. So it looked like one of those Salvador Dali clocks. And because it was such a visual topic, as a bit of an experiment, took that show and you know, had a go to see how it would work with sort of images and video clips over the top. Uh, and that seemed to go down quite well. So we took the decision to enhance all of the other shows going forward. Now, that's a, a fair bit of work on top of the audio shows because we don't just chuck them together. We do put a bit of time into finding the best quality images we can and then editing those and assembling everything in a way that makes it an enjoyable, but well, hopefully an enjoyable watch for people. Obviously, some discussions are more visual than others, but some of the modern shows where we're talking about you know, lots and lots of products that have been announced, just some of those shows feature over 300 separate images. So they're quite visually rich. But we think this is worth doing. We think it's worth doing for you know 99% of the shows that we do. Occasionally, we'll do something like Trivial Pursuit Challenge, where it's less relevant. But you know, when we're talking about toys, when we're talking about collectibles, yeah, it really works. It really works to show uh, the things that we're discussing. So, you know, for me, I think they're ideal when you're working or you're somewhere where you could have it on a screen in the background. So if we are talking about something rare or interesting or unusual or new that you've not seen before, you can just glance up and see that on the screen and go and, and Google it. As a way of delivering the podcast, we think it's it's got a value. Alongside that, we, we recognise that not everybody's got an hour or so to dedicate to a full podcast. So what we've started doing in the last few months is revisiting some of those shows, pulling out some standalone sections, packaging them up, and we've called them Skywalker Blasts. So these are videos that are coming in around 20 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, and it's a hope that if people are looking for a specific topic, they might find these and that you've got a good overview in one place, hopefully nicely presented by delightful experts. 
the other thing we do is unboxings. So if you listen to our modern shows, you know, we're buying stuff all the time. You know, we're not claiming these are the most sophisticated unboxings on the internet, but between us, we've got things turning up on a regular basis. And if we remember to, we will film ourselves opening packages just to give you a first impression and to support some of the things we talk about on the show. So check out our YouTube and our website and you'll you'll see some unboxings and there'll be, I'm sure, lots more of those to come over the following year so that's all our video and audio content we also write and compile blog posts on specific topics now sometimes these will form part of a show there'll be something that we will discuss and the blogs are an opportunity to uh, explore them in a bit more detail or put all the information in one place Uh, and sometimes they don't sometimes they are just something that we want to get out of our system or a little nugget of our collections that we we feel is worth capturing or a collecting story and they go on our on our website as as blogs and they can be short they can be long mine tend to be long because i'm the worst self-editor on the team they can all be found on the website uh, along with all the enhanced shows and links to the audio podcasts generationskywalker.com is where it all comes together we've done a bit of work on the site lately so you can find all these things a lot easier than you used to be able to so if you use the navigation at the top you can you can go to these different sections and obviously no online entity these days exists in a in a vacuum so we're also on all the relevant channels so we use facebook instagram and twitter primarily to let everyone know when a new show is out or to highlight certain things we're talking about but also to provoke some debate and on the odd occasion we might run a a competition through the social channels as well so um you know we're never far away from that stuff if you do want to get in touch or share anything with us please go and check out the social media channels and we're also always looking at new things to get involved in so we're not sure that our core audience are big tiktok users but i personally i'm poking around clubhouse at the moment so if any listeners are on clubhouse come and find me i'm craig spivey on there there is an active star wars universe group so i think you know as a platform it's probably got some interesting potential to somebody like us running a podcast and we'll also be announcing when we get to the end of the show a new social media string to our bow so keep listening and you know we'll be announcing a new way that you can which is all the fun stuff we get to do at generation skywalker i think craig it would be a really nice addition okay i'm gonna okay. knock this out here now that you dress up as star wars characters and do the tiktok dances <laughs> i think that is it would be a welcome addition I think Jez is our uh, costumed character of the team, for surely. And he's not here to, to, to defend himself. Hi, this is uh, ZRSV. Um, just wanted to uh, wish um, happy birthday to the uh, Generation Skywalker uh, podcasting team uh, for one year of fantastic um, podcast and, and great shows and interviews. Uh, wishing you all the best. Uh, for the future. Take care. So let's take a quick look at what's proved popular. Okay, let's let's look at the um, audio and the video. Now, audio-wise, let's just take a quick look at our top three at the moment. So, well, actually, our, our top ten on my... I have the top ten open at the moment. And generally, our regular shows, The Modern Way and The Old Fossils, they make up the majority, seven of the top ten. Both our die-cast shows at the moment are also in there, but... 
Our third most downloaded presently is episode four of those old fossils. Number two is currently episode one of those old fossils. And I say surprisingly, the Thrawn trilogy from Book Month is our most downloaded audio show at the moment. What I will say is we, when this comes out, it will be exactly a month. But um, episode eight of those old fossils, the one that was based around reproduction toys, is uh, is getting decent numbers every day downloads, and it is. It is shooting up there. It's already in seventh after two weeks. And normally to get onto the top 10, you're normally looking at three to four months before you can even get close to the numbers. So that's uh, going up quite fast as well. But it does seem that vintage collecting shows seem to be the ones that are on that on that leaderboard. Does that, does that coincide with YouTube, Craig? In some ways, I would say that the, the opposite would be true for the for the Thrawn show. Out of all the regular shows, that's one that, that sits um, quite low down on the viewing figures of, of the video shows. And it's interesting that's quite high in the audio shows. I wonder if that's got anything to do with The Mandalorian and Ahsoka and the teasing of her her journey and Thrawn entwined in that, whether people are searching, searching that, I don't know. But in terms of um, the top three enhanced shows, which I've got here, the third most viewed was show 28, which was the, the beer show, Come Let Me Get You Something. At 152 views. The second most watched show was episode two of those old fossils, which was, I think I'm right in saying, the first old fossils show that we we enhanced and put on YouTube. But the the most watched show of all was the very first one we did, which is the uh, the Helix Reborn story. So I guess in some respects, the older shows there have garnered more views. And you know, in YouTube terms, these aren't big numbers by by any standards, but you know, we're talking about what are effectively one to two hour documentaries. So they're not, you know, they're not three minute clips. So you know, I think in those terms, we're, we're very chuffed that people are enjoying them and sticking with them and, and watching them to the end. So that's really good. I'll tell you something that I, I do wonder. So Helix and The Beer Show both have good numbers on audio, but they're on the lower end. I'm also aware that things like The Helix Show, when we recorded that, I think even at the start, we say this is going to be better being viewed on an enhanced show with a video. The same with the beer show. So I wonder whether people would maybe stop their audio and go to the video for shows like that, because there's definitely so the Helix one is wonderful. And you've got so many great images, things like the adverts, which you did. I mean, visually, it was needed, wasn't it? Rather than just although the audio is great. And you should go and listen to that. So it's a great, great show, listeners. <laughs> it would be it would be really interesting to know if anyone's ever started listening to an audio one and and stopped and and, and flipped over to, to watch what we're talking about. That would be that would be very interesting. Hi, this is Steve Savory, uh, one time participant in the wonderful Generation Skywalker podcast. Uh, I just wanted to get in touch with you guys and wish you a happy birthday. Um, I think it's fantastic. What you guys are doing is just brilliant and the diversity is fantastic too. So here's to many more years ahead. Well done, guys. Happy birthday. It does not surprise me in the slightest that the uh, the repro show that we put out is um, racing up our uh, chart at the moment. I certainly haven't had as much feedback as I have about any other show other than that one people that you know I, I, I speak to i hear from but you know all of a sudden i'm getting messages left right and center from people saying that they um, enjoyed the show and i enjoyed doing it 
it was it was a good show to be part of. So it does not surprise me that that particular show is uh, as popular as it is because it is such a touchy subject. So it's an, an interesting subject, and we what we tried to do was do it with a level head. And I think that's probably what a lot of people are responding to and reacting to is the fact that although we were all pretty much against it, we tried our best to see both sides. And I know that we're talking at the moment of doing another show at some point and maybe another two or three shows where we get different people on with different views, different opinions, different backgrounds to give their side of the story because it's a much wider picture. So out of the shows, that doesn't surprise me. You're right, Mark. I think even on the next Old Fossils, I think we've got to return briefly to that because some of the feedback I've received has been quite incredible. I, I don't think we're going to be able to do it briefly. I think we're going to need a follow-up show. I mean, I've had lots of comments as well. I, I, I do as well. I think I think it's another show, another full show at the very least. We're going to have to get some pro, some serious pro-repro people on so that they, they can put across their argument. I think that's only fair. I don't know how you boys feel about that, but I, I, I certainly think it needs to be approached. And then, you know, some of the anti-repro guys, some of the, the more involved anti-repro guys certainly have been approached by them, and it would be fantastic to get some of their opinions as well. pretty sure that many people saw the video that um, Michael French of Retro Blasting put out. What I find in in the community at the moment is you've got these people, these anti-repro people who are very harshly anti-repro. Any repro is bad and and you, uh, people run these groups. You're, you're going to be bad. You're going to be bad. Then you've got someone like Michael French who is completely the other way, who restores ships. He will take off stickers off ships and put reproduction stickers in their place. So there's no middle ground between these two groups. <laughs> There is the argument that new collectors or even old collectors who have been at this hobby for a long time or just come into it and are looking at the prices of little tiny black guns fetching over £100. You have to question the sanity of it because it's very, very hard for somebody coming into this or somebody looking from the outside in and thinking, how on earth is a mass-produced tiny piece of plastic suddenly worth that amount of money? That's cut to the chase. We can't uninvent these things. No. Right? As it stands right now, we've lost that. We've we've lost that argument. We can't uninvent them. There's so many of them out there already that if they were to stop now, we would still have the problem. So what I'm arguing for is let's cool our jets. Let's cool our jets and let's open the dialogue where we're not insulting each other. I watched the retro blasting video and I just I was I was there with my head and my hands because it was fifty percent of it was just insulting people. And I'm like, you want the dialogue, then you need to cool your jets, man. And it's the same with the anti repro. Well, I've got friends, wonderful people I know, who are so burnt up about this that I want to say to them with love, cool your jets, guys. Let's have the discussion. Let's be able to try and salvage something out of this. I mean, I think this is a fascinating topic. I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with three. Okay, I'm going to go around. These are things I've struggled with. <laughs> my own scruples. A quick yeah. yes or no from everybody, okay? okay? Replacement internal cog to fix your wing on an Imperial shuttle. Mark. Ooh. 
Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that, and there's some precedence for that sort of thing in vintage robots. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's internal work. So. Okay. Replacing rusty staples in a comic, that's, they're getting so bad they're staining the pages. Mark? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, mate. I won't tell anybody about that. <laughs> I'm not saying whether I've done these things or not, you'll notice. Lee? <laughs> I know people in the comic collecting thing, that's a big deal to them. So I kind of defer to, to their better judgments. I, if, it was, if it was my comic, I'd be reticent to do that. Stuart? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, it's never something that would even come into my, <laughs> my consciousness okay. that there's a problem. <laughs> Last one. You've got a beautiful mint helix pencil at the factory, but the nib's broken. Would you replace the nib with the nib from another pencil, Mark? The nib? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, the nib? Well, the nib's everything. It's never been sharpened. It's got, yeah. the, factory, it's got the factory end, but the, the point, the, the little bit of the, the end has snapped off. The lead, yeah. It'd be very easy to just take one, nick one from another pencil and just stick it in the top oh, there. Oh, Craig, man, you need to get out. <laughs> need to get out mate honestly lockdown has really got to you hasn't it so that's a yes that, that's a yeah I, I'm, I'm okay with that mate <laughs> See? Uh, down with that I just wouldn't bother <laughs> You're not just here anyway, you know. Do you, do you know what, Craig? If it's bothering you that much, mate, go ahead. I don't. No, I don't. I, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? I am. Um... Hey, for a very small elitist part of the stationary collecting community, this is a big debate. Let's go, let's let's have a little look back because. Like I say, I think you just said, Craig, 38 shows is a lot of work in a year, you know, especially when there's been a couple of months where we've not put anything out. It's definitely been interesting. And then obviously the focus months. So let's go through and uh, have a little look. Now, Mark, I'm going to come to you first, because the one thing about our whole team is we are all predominantly vintage collectors. I think that's why most of us know each other through vintage collecting originally. Without a doubt, there had to be a vintage show. Those old fossils was what we came up with. Yeah, I mean, that's predominantly what we have in common. So it was, you know, it's a natural progression from uh, the Vintage Rebellion, which I know several of us sort of came from. And then obviously people like Craig, uh, myself and and Dan came on board with our background as, as vintage collectors as well. It seems to be... That, that's the mainstay of, uh, of the podcast. But one thing that we, we sort of did talk about when we were talking about, we, we had that very drunk conversation. Was it Echo Live or Farthest From? I'm sure it was Farthest From when you said you were going to put together a show and, and what have you. One thing that always came across was the fact that we're fans, first and foremost, we're Star Wars fans. It's not just about vintage collections and collecting uh, stuff from back in the day. It, there's a wider scope to it. And I think for a lot of us, we are Star Wars fans. It's a much broader scope than just collecting vintage. So that's why Generation Skywalker came about. Yes, we're covering the vintage. And yes, we've got a, a lot of expertise and a lot of history involved in collecting the vintage uh, side of things. But also, it's been interesting to see other side of Star Wars, the Star Wars collecting especially. So, um, yeah, um, those old fossils still proves very popular. And I do love the conversations we have. It's always fantastic to talk 
vintage Star Wars, but it's also nice to be able to break the boundaries every now and again and talk about other stuff. So I always think with the vintage discussion, you you need to find something that's, well, I say fresh, everything's been covered at some point, but new angles on it. And the last two shows that we've done for those old fossils was we look back at the the auction houses in December and the state of the hobby and what happened to the prices during lockdown and then obviously the reproduction debate last month. I I think that those are, um, they made for good shows because we've got on the correct people. I mean, we had Lee Bullock come on for the, the reproduction show. I think Grant was with us in December when we did the the auction house one. That was a good episode, that was. That was a really good episode to cover. And, you know, the state of the hobby, particularly this year, seems very strange that Generation Skywalker and the vintage collecting at the moment, the collectibles market as a whole, seems to have sort of grown together. It's um, like this, these two parallels. So we've been able to sort of see quite a rapid increase in popularity, prices, auctions, the quality of items, some of the finds that have been coming out. It's It's been really interesting. That was a great show. These things tend to have cycles, don't they? Certain things at a certain time seem to drive each everybody wants them at the same sort of time, like tri-logos or miss cards or Meccano yeah. cards. And I think at the moment, Palatoy, this year, Palatoy 30 backs have been the thing to get hold of. It, it does feel like that, doesn't it? The 30 backs. I mean, we had that Death Squad Commander that sold, what was that, for 26k? That went for, yeah, 20, uh, 25,000 plus 30% fees. That that was the, the lot, though. There was um, five figures, wasn't there, in that lot? Oh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 30,000, 32,500 pounds that lot went for. Wow. Yeah, it does seem it does seem that the Panic Toy City back is where everyone seems to have their passion at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, um, like I say, th- these things for whatever reason tend to go round in cycles. It's 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 bizarre. Well, one of the figures uh, I really like this figure. Um, I would have loved to have added it to my collection, but there's no way I could afford it. It was a Panic Toy General Mills Empire Strikes Back Black Best Bingard on an Imperial Commander 45 back card back. Fantastic miscard there. Really unusual. I haven't seen many General Mills miscards. I don't know if you guys have. That's the first one I've ever seen with, with that figure combination. Absolutely outstanding sort of mismatch. Definitely one in a million that one. Yeah, I, I just thought I would love to add, add that to my collection, but obviously people with bigger pockets also felt the same. To me, it was the most interesting thing that was in this auction. A really lovely piece, super, super rare, highly desirable, just a lovely piece. On the cheapest scale, one of the ones that surprised me was a Panitoy Empire Strikes Back 45 back Boba Fett on the card, 520 quid. Yeah, that was that was, that was a bit of a bargain, that was. Uh, but again, I think that, 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 that card had condition issues. I think there was maybe uh, cracks in the bubble. As far as I can remember, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but going on my memory i think there were, there were a couple of issues with the card otherwise that would have been for a lot lot more i'm, I'm not quite sure yeah i just don't see boba fett's on any card go for 520 quid these days they all seem to be at least four figures and also obviously the, those are fossils the early episodes where we discussed all sorts of things craig did some amazing blog posts on luanoa is it have I said that right? Yeah, Li- uh, Liana Wanawa. Oh, close. Close enough. <laughs> yeah, close enough. I don't know what Dan would have prom- pronounced it as, yeah. Well, uh, well like Secure. Custard, <laughs> <laughs> guys. <laughs> yeah, at least I don't yeah, get it completely yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
and obviously we've had some guests, haven't we? I, I think uh, Mark Cockley, Steve Savory have both been been on those those old fossils with us. Um, both very heavily indebted in vintage collecting as well. So fun one to record, that's for sure. And one of my favourite ones that I mean, we've just talked about different types of shows there for those old fossils, but the Halloween special. I mean, Craig, you came up with this this whole show idea from um, a movie. What was it, Doctor? The Island of Doctor Moreau. Doctor Moreau, that is it. Yeah, I can't even remember the name of it. Just as a whole concept, I found it absolutely fascinating. And it was one of the best ones I'd sat down to research for because I sat down and watched a bonkers movie. And it really was a bonkers movie. And then, like, the whole concept, you were right about creatures crossed with humans. And when you delved into Star Wars, just how much was in it. I just found it a really fascinating topic to discuss and to to research. It, it was really, really good. All well and good. What's this got to do with Star Wars? I am thinking, of course, of George Lucas's fascination in creating alien races by taking very earthbound animals and uh, through his creativity and through the medium of his art, uh, turning them into human like beasts. So looking at things in that kind of rather grim context, I thought it would be fun uh, in a Halloween way to just explore this kind of reimagining George Lucas as this mad scientist surrounded by these creations. I know what I'll do. I'll take a walrus and I'll take his head and I'll put it on a man. That kind of thing. So this idea around the island of Dr. Modesto. And for those who don't realise why Modesto, that's where he grew up, town in California. So it kind of works. Begins with an M and ends in an O. So why not? First, we need to sort of discuss this idea of kind of animal human head swapping techniques of creating aliens so i mean what do we what do we think am i onto something here have i got a point do you think that that way of creating aliens works do we think it was a good idea at the time you know does grounding a species in the look of a familiar animal help us relate to it i mean george lucas was all about this used universe so rather than being greedo style bug-eyed monsters does having this connection in earthbound creatures help us kind of go, yeah, I kind of I, I can I can transpose some of what I know about a squid onto that character or whatever. They're they're slimy and a bit and a bit slippery. Or is it just flat out silly? Did we think that at the time? Have we learned to accept it? Do we see beyond it now? What do we what do we think? I think it really helps spark your imagination when you're watching it, especially in the first Star Wars film, like the cantina scene particularly. You've got so many different types of creatures there. You just know that you're following one story that's passed through. In any given corner of that room, there's another story. And, and that was a brilliant thing about Star Wars and it's sparking our imagination. And, and then when we bought the toys, we could have all those other stories. Sure, you, you start off buying the, the, the figures of the heroes, but once you start getting into the, the aliens and and you know, the creature cantina kind of scene, then you just kind of have your own little adventures. And it, and it just went off from there. I think that's why some of us were still playing with these things when we were 15, and some of us are still paying out silly money from when we are in our 40s. You know, it's just uh, it's just that imagination that it spiked. And I think having it kind of anchored partly in reality kind of gave us that familiarity with it, or that access point, you know, to kind of uh, that jumping off point with our imaginations. I, 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 would, I would agree with that. Stuart, do you have a view? It's not an uncommon thing, is it, when you go back to old movers, to see a, a creature on two legs? I mean, 
I'm now trying to think of an example, but yeah, because you, you've got Medusa and things like that. Yes, and, and Clash of the Titans yeah. was what yeah. 1981, so after the after Star Wars, but Clash of the Titans is is a prime. Yeah, it's a great example. There is there is half creature type things in that, but there is that kind of old thing. I'm, I think you've got in the in the show notes, Flash Gordon, we have it as well, don't we, um, Craig? So, yeah, I mean, George wanted to remake it, didn't he? So we had the Lion Men and the Lizard Men, and, and, and maybe that was an influence. I don't know. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I think it um, relates to him, you know. Uh, I'm not being funny, but how many people look like Warus Man that we know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jez, Jez and Cy can't be here tonight, but they <laughs> spring straight to mind. Paint them green and there you go. And obviously, Craig, you singled out at Christmas the Penna Poster Discovery. You already said a lot a lot of vintages has already been covered and it's, you know, we can come up with fresh new takes on things, but it's quite hard to come up with actual fresh new items. So when something does come along that is a little bit unknown, it's just really great to look into that and research it. And that's what's been great for me personally about working on the show is I've always been interested in sort of looking into things and finding out a little bit more about the things I buy for the collection. But you know, being able to take that to the next level or working with you guys. So yeah, things like the Penna poster that we discovered and um I'm sure there'll be other things that we'll we'll unearth as as we go on, but those old fossils is a great platform to to showcase that stuff. Poster in question really sort of caught my eye. To describe it, it's I'm sure everyone's familiar with the genre of posters that you colour in yourself. So, you know, largely line art work that leaves lots of space for children to uh, to, to colour in and, and make their own. Um, and this is a, a character montage in the in the best tradition. You've got Vader at the top, flanked by stormtroopers. You've got little ships and, and uh, vehicles flying around, little kind of energy trails. You've got the heroes in the middle, Luke, Leah, Han and Chewie. You've got uh, Vader and and Ben just very unusually depicted like they're about to start a fencing duel either side of this poster with their lightsabers kind of vertically in front of them uh, and at the bottom you've got a montage of 3PO R2 you've got the, the Tusken Raiders attacking Luke you've got Grand Moff Tarkin in there you've got Death Squad Commander Jowers and it was just a, it was an image I've never seen before I like papery things I like arty things and it just caught my eye it really did but I didn't kind of go hell for leather for it I was you know I saved it in my watch list and, and moved on but I kept going back to it I was very very intrigued <laughs> It's an unusual thing, you know. You, we, we've all seen prototypes and produced things, toys, all the time. But but for, for things like this, the, the quirkier beyond the toys, it's few and far between. So it was just nice to come across something that was a bit different. So that was those old fossils then. So the other concept was a modern show. One of one of the reasons I wanted to step away from the Vintage Rebellion at the time. And a lot of people have asked me when I've spoken to people, oh, why did you leave? But it wasn't anything to do with TVR particularly. The shows were too long for me at that point with the workload. But it was more the fact that I wanted to do other things. And, and modern collecting was something which I was dipping my toe into. And I used to love Toy Run. That ended after two years. And I, I definitely feel there was a, a gap. There's a lot more modern podcasts than there is vintage ones. But Dan, can you tell us about the modern way? Because I approached you to come on a modern show. And then we couldn't get rid of you. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest. When you initially asked me, and I was a bit disappointed I wasn't going to be on the on the old fossil. So I was oh, look down my nose a little bit modern. That's not to say that I 
didn't collect modern but you know vintage is the passion and i think from our point of view certainly when we started the show i think it was more of a modern show from a vintage collector's point of view but i think as we've got better at it and we've we're covering things more regularly i think we we're certainly uh got a lot more i don't think expertise would be the right word but i think we're a lot more awareness and appreciation of, of what's out there the show itself it, it covers you know we go we run through all of the all of the products that are coming out in the or have been announced since the month the month since we last recorded and we have a run through those and we talk about those and get some great insights into mark's feelings about things that get carbonized or painted funny colors <laughs> So Mark, we've got a, a Black Series 6-inch carbonised Boba Fett. Might we need more Fett? Absolute mock. It is just the worst possible way of me saying, how can we wring any more cash out of collectors by simply splashing a paint job that has absolutely no relevance no connection with the figure at any point during a film or a figure's history is dreadful absolutely dreadful it's just a way of wringing more money out of people that just have to have more boba fat things it looks shocking the packaging is shocking the product is just oh, i just hate it I hate it but what do you really think mate <laughs> can somebody help me understand why people would sit around a table in a production meeting and I, I work in the toy industry i know how these things work and it just baffles me that people can come to a decision and say right how can we use the same molding for a figure and do something different and somebody's come up why don't we put a glitter uh, sort of shiny effect on on the paint figure it it makes no sense <laughs> none whatsoever it looks awful i mean if they were going to do something with it and something different and it looks good okay fair enough you know i'll i'll, I'll let that one slide but there's there's no excuse for this thing to be <laughs> in production at all this is a bit bizarre isn't it it's like somebody's coming guys guys just sunk a load of money into this carbonizing technology. You know, what can we use it on? Oh, Bob, it's Boba Fett. Everybody loves Boba Fett. The collectors <laughs> will hoover it up. We could, we could <laughs> just paint it all black and they'd buy it. But I think we're, we're all open to uh, being exposed to new things, whether it's, you know, tiki's or steel books. And, and most, you know, most importantly, I hope our listeners are as well, that, they, you know, they're, 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 they're joining us on this journey and they're, and, they're, and they're looking at these things as well. I mean, certainly off the back of, you know, the recordings we've done in the last six months, I've pre-ordered probably about, I, I wouldn't want to add it all up, but a lot of stuff, whether it's tiki's or hot toys, been really, really good fun and I've enjoyed it. And, and that for me is the biggest part of it because I think I was at a point in my collecting, certainly a vintage where, I mean, we've already spoken about the prices it's beyond now what i'm willing to pay for a lot of things so I've, I've kind of got most of the things that i want and the things that are kind of floating out there is big money and i don't i didn't think i'd be saying this a year ago i think i'd rather sink that sort of money now into hot toys because you have got me hooked on those which i know was your ambition from the start Stu. <laughs> well you said that you couldn't you couldn't uh you couldn't justify paying the price of a hot toy and then you bought like three really close together oh, no four a month if it four or five i don't know i've lost count <laughs> the pre-orders isn't it but I, it's, it's all to i suppose it's to do with I, I, there's a bit of me that's kind of like if you look at a mint on card because that's what i've primarily collected in the past and you can't there aren't many mint on cards now you know there's probably return of the jedi cards and a few other things sitting around the edges that you could spend 300 pound on now and get a you know a decent one 
it's i suppose it's yeah just time and money and resource and where you're at in your collecting journey but yeah it's it's opened up my eyes to a lot of new things but in terms of highlights and things i think it has like i said at the start it's been great fun we had jez on a modern show talking about handing carbonite i think he made some choice comments about one of the figures he was picking out as his uh hand solo of the month jez can you uh round it off with a good choice but there's a lot of still good ones here that we've not covered is there is there really because uh very much like mark for me it's the vintage because I, i'm going to talk you through a couple now because i've tried to find one which i like and they've all got issues right there, there's nothing which really sticks out to me right so first of all the commemorative, the Ember Strikes Back three pack from 2004, uh, the original collection. You, you've all seen, oh, what's that movie? Men in Black, right? Where you've got the guy who's wearing someone else's skin and nothing just appears to fit right. Well, I'm, I'm looking at this image and I've got a guy who looks like he's wearing someone else's arm and it's just all wrong. And then when you zoom in on his face, it's like he's having an anaphylactic shock or he's eating a kiwi or something or other. And it's just not gone down well. The, the, everything about this figure is just entirely wrong, right? So that's that one. And I'm going to chin out one off, right? I then jump ahead to 2011, the vintage collection. Again, right? This guy, this is the Empire Strikes Back. Han wasn't that old. This guy, when you zoom into his face, it looks like he needs a bus pass. People, what they're doing is they're putting Harrison Ford's head from now onto his best spin costume. This this guy looks like this guy looks like he needs a meal. I mean, he's got such a scrawny chicken neck. He looks like that woman who's getting married all the time in Coronation Street. He's bow legged. <laughs> it's just what, I don't what know. Um, what's her name? She is a Doris in Coronation Street. Barla. Yeah, she's got a scraggy <laughs> neck. This guy's looking like he's 60 years old with a scraggy neck and he's got one eye looking for you, one eye looking at you. Rubbish figure, 2011. And then to come up with a final trifecta of crapness, this one I was thinking, oh, this is all right, actually. Saga Legends, 2015. Nice, reasonable looking face with regards to Harrison Ford and that age. However, the articulation of the head, it's like, He's just got this line going across his neck like he's just been garroted and it just looks wrong. So um, all in all, I, I, maybe this is why I was never a fan of modern up until tonight, because these are all pretty awful figures. Oh, no, this is it. The worst one ever. The Last Jedi Collection 2017. The guy looks like he's staggering out of a bar drunk. He looks like he's 70. And um, have, you, have you guys seen this? Go go to the one which is 2017, two-pack, with Boba Fett. And he's just stood there like he doesn't know what time of day. He doesn't know what day it is. And, and it, it's just, it's an embarrassment. It's just like, mate, you've let yourself go. And, oh, it's just, it, they're, they're shocking. What I'd like to say to you, Jez, is, okay, it is a vast, it's a vast plane, the uh, modern area. Yeah. You're not going to like everything. You dip no. your toe in. You don't have to be a completist. Buy what you enjoy. Now, incredibly, Jez, you've gone through a lot of them there, but yeah. you've missed two vital ones. One, okay. to me, the greatest. But let's first of all just go to Han Solo Torture Act, 2007. <laughs> okay? He's in his best spin outfit. Yes, his face is in pain and his neck's pulled in, but it's because he's being tortured and it comes with a torture rack. I mean, if you don't want that, that is amazing. 
you know, Mark earlier said he might buy the best bin, best bin freeze chamber set if he could get a torture rack. There you go, Mark, buy that. Stop moaning. That is amazing. It's horrible, isn't it? His face. It's just like he's, I know, it's like he's Ted Danson. It's just, <laughs> it's just all wrong. Everything about that is wrong, apart from it's the torture. Hips. Yeah, uh, well, he's been in torture, hasn't he? <laughs> he's he's uh, moved his pelvis. <laughs> well, he's in so much pain, everything's just gone. <laughs> You know, I can't, I'm surprised I've looked at that, but I'm surprised no one's picked up on it. Okay, you've got all these great figures, 30 years of figures. But in 1997, they bought out Han Solo Bespin gear on a green card with his sexy legs. And he's an amazing figure. But then not only that, they then re-released him in the commemorative coin collection. And he comes with a coin. I mean, why aren't we looking at this? We all know that the power of force rules. We've spoken about it several times tonight. The rest of you need to get behind me and Mark with our with our push here because these are incredible. It's an incredible figure. We got to make two guns. Stu, if you're not careful, mate, you're going to be doing this podcast on your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you'll be off buying power of the force. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice figure, Mark. I'm a little, I'm a little. Well, you had the Minoc. There's been a lot of love for the Minoc cut. Minoc, Minoc cuts. The Minoc hunt. How about that figure from 1998? It's a great figure. Granted, it's the same figure with a face mask on, but hey. That was like the little cinema scene, that one. Yes, yeah, you're right. They were nice, I did quite like those. was a nice box set, actually, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think there's been some, you know, Jez has picked out, he's gone through and just trying to find fault, you know? No, I'm, I'm, that Mylock scene, right, when you look at it and you look at some of the pictures, the way in which he is, he sort of stood over to one side. I'm going to tell you now what he's doing. He's trod in some dog's muck and he's wiping it off he's leant over and he's trying to wipe his shoe for me i'll always see han solo wiping dog muck off his shoe look it's not a good look <laughs> and then yeah the tiki bit that i think it was on one of our early episodes maybe the first or second one when uh, craig took us through his blog that was that was brilliant really really good it's been yeah really really good fun and we've all got, we've all ordered, I think most of us have ordered the, the Razor Crest. Who would have thought that a year ago? We'd be all invested in a Hasbro Pulse project. Mm. Any update on yours? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you have said that now. Any update on yours? Not, not at this time to report. Okay, maybe on the next modern way. Hello, folks. This is Ross Barr calling you from the United States of America, New Jersey in particular. Wanted to wish uh, the folks on Generation Skywalker a happy one-year anniversary. Pretty amazing to me that you survived past the episode that I was on, that I wasn't able to crater your uh, podcast. But you made it. Continued. You survived the pandemic. If you can survive that, you can survive anything. Um, I definitely listen. I enjoy it. You make me feel good about Star Wars, which is a good thing. We need more feeling good about Star Wars in this world. And you guys provide that. Keep it, keep it up. Appreciate all that you do, and best wishes on a happy first year anniversary. See you guys. I just point out a, a couple of things before I ask Mark a question about modern. I mean, I mean Tiki. I can remember in uh, Celebration when it was in London. I saw that was when I first saw Tiki. I saw uh, a Han Solo and Greedo two pack on the shop floor, and I think the Falcon was there. And then in Chicago last year, they had the Rancor in the in the shop. And I looked at that and I thought, what is actually is that? And then Craig did that Tiki, the article and the whole backstory behind Tiki. And it really did wet my whistle. 
and I've looked at it more and more and more. And I mean, my office is over flowing with tiki mugs and a tiki bar is definitely, definitely the first thing that's going to happen to my garage once it's converted. So, uh, yeah, complete U-turn for me. And I know I know Grant felt the same way as well. And then on the last modern way, we heard that he had bought himself a tiki tauntaun. So uh, there's definitely oh sorry. Sorry, Mark. Tauntaun. Hey, so what's a tom tom? Is that a sat thing? <laughs> it's a tom-tom. <laughs> what is tiki? It's a it's a good question. I think uh are you are you up for a little bit of a potted history? I would love a potted history. <laughs> So tiki is a trend that originated in the US. It, it sort of takes its aesthetics and its vibe from the art and the culture of um, the South Pacific Islands. Um, and it's sort of enjoying a bit of a renaissance today, slightly ironically, um, as it's a, it's a revival of its kind of boom time, which was the sort of 50s and early 60s. It's tied to that whole kitsch retro Americana thing. It goes hand in hand with sort of the atomic age and vintage punk girls, hot rods, and old-timey rock and roll, all of which you know, I'm quite partial to. So its, it's origins, in, in Polynesian mythology, Tiki was uh, the first man on Earth, and it's a term that's widely used to describe these wooden, carved effigies of gods and ancestors, which is a sort of key element that's inspired a lot of the, the sort of pop culture mashups that we're, we're seeing today. So it's always been associated with escapism and good times. Uh, and while it's synonymous with kind of 50s and 60s, its origins actually date back to the 30s uh, when the first tiki bar, which is called Don the Beachcomber, uh, opened in uh, L.A. And this was the brainchild of a, of a guy called Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant, who travelled the world, explored the Caribbean and the South Pacific, and he came back to the States and he wanted to set up this bar that kind of captured some of that magic. So he changed his name to Don Beach and he set up this, this tiki bar. And the menu was loosely inspired by the kind of things he'd experienced out there, tropical flavours. And it kind of set the template for the sort of tiki culture that, that endures today. But when it, it, it became really popular was after World War II. So young GIs were sent out, um, deployed to the South Pacific. They were specifically on islands like Tonga and Fiji, Hawaii. They kind of developed this taste for the tropical, which they they came back and, and sort of passed on to the rest of, of of the nation in the post-war years. So when you think about tiki style, it's got a very, very uh, defined look and you, it's sort of typified by things like bamboo and thatched. Again, these carved hardwoods, these tiki idols, these masks, a little bit of kind of nautical props, nets and boys kind of thrown in there, uh, tropical flowers, exotic ladies in, in grass skirts and then this exotica sound of ukuleles and Hawaiian guitars. So there's this whole kind of sort of visual and experiential elements that define tiki culture. But one of the main things is they have these rum-based kind of drinks which were always elaborately served with flowers and little parasols and they were originally in coconuts and hollowed out pineapples and eventually people started to create these kind of ceramic tiki mugs uh, which people would take home from the bars as souvenirs, just like they would if they'd gone off to the South Sea Islands on holiday. Um, and they became very collectible. Um, and alongside that, you'd have like the stirrers and the swizzle sticks. So this whole kind of paraphernalia uh, grew up um, that people would take home and wanted to continue the experience at home. So this idea of little tiki bars uh, in basements and garages and 
and spare rooms at home became the in thing. Uh, you know, if you had a tiki bar, you were you were kind of hitting happening. But it's it's had a recent revival, which has I think been driven by retro loving hipsters, um, and it's still very much about escapism. That kind of uh, the wackiness of the drinks and the, and the going these places, and they're they're very you know they transport you somewhere else. So Star Wars met tiki when a company called Beeline Creative, who'd created the Star Wars beer steins, if you remember those, pitched the idea of these Star Wars figural tiki mugs to Lucasfilm uh, as recently as 2016. And in four short years, they've got this product range now that just covers this massive range of pop culture properties that are almost Funko Pop levels. You You name it, there's probably some wacky little tiki mug whether it's universal monsters star trek rick and morty they're all kind of they've all been sort of covered and obviously hot toys as well i mean i bought my first hot toys on the day carrie fisher died and i just love them again running out of space at the moment but um hot toys is one thing that i covered with chris leddy who runs the six scale scavengers and that was a fantastic interview to do with chris because uh, that passion there for that it's funny how your perspective changes and you look at a vintage carded figure and it's like it's great at what it is but then you look at the hot toys and you look at what you get for the money and the detail and accessories and and likeness uh to the actors or characters and that sort of thing it's just so different i mean once i got my first hot toys in hand i was like holy cow this is you know next level representation for the character and it's it's just different i mean there's a lot of guys that look at the vintage stuff and it's like well that's not a perfect representation of that character in the movie so it's cool but i want that representation to be as movie accurate as possible this is like you can kind of plan out things whether it be you know certain characters that you're looking for you can plan things out to you know that it works financially for you some companies like sideshow they sideshow.com you know they're a distributor of hot toys you can do payment plans through them uh, which can help a lot of collectors be able to afford these uh, there's so many retailers that um, sell hot toys that they're not that you know you can find one somewhere and it's not like some vintage or modern prototype thing where it's like there's only one of them that is you know <laughs> so you're not you don't have that feeling of oh my god i'm never going to be able to have that well eventually you know something will pop up for it and and you can add it to your collection if the price is right and you definitely have to be careful <laughs> financially and and make sure because you can get crazy with the pre-orders and then all of a sudden if they release all these figures in a certain period of time and you've pre-ordered all of them you could get into trouble pretty quick this tarkin and vader came as a two-pack and that's where i got it and the vader in this picture is kind of a hybrid of the original a new hope vader that hot toys made and the original rogue one vader that they made and a lot of people feel like this is the the best version of darth vader that's come out a lot of people favor the rogue one version but it's a little bit of a combo of them but yeah this is i just love this this setup and it comes with the chair and it comes with a uh, interrogation droid and all sorts of goodies and just a great a great two-pack. 
Mark, I have to come to you on modern because this has got to be the biggest shooter. So let's just have a quick listen. Do you dabble in modern? Uh, I, d- I don't, mate. I haven't got a single thing. I don't even know why you've asked me to do this, because <laughs> I can't stand the modern stuff. I don't know what I'm doing here. I hate all modern. Do you remember saying that? I do. Then over the course of that show, you decided you were going to buy the 40th anniversary ProBots. You were going to uh, maybe get involved in a bit of Hot Toys, quite like the Mandalorian run of figures in the Black Series. Have you ordered or pre-ordered anything, Mark? Anything I have, modern? I have. I've, I've, popped my, uh, I've popped my modern cherry. <laughs> um, I've gone for a ProBot. Anything else, Mark? Uh, I'm afraid to say yes, I've, I've ordered, uh, well, I've pre-ordered the um, Boba Fett Black Series helmet. I'd hovered over that buy it now button for so long that I just thought, uh, I've got some birthday money, I've got a couple of Amazon vouchers, and I just thought, why not? It fills me with such joy to see a company actually take some time out and come up with some packaging that actually looks decent. Mark, the Lego Cantina, in hand. Everything you thought it was? And more. Does not disappoint. I I love the ship. I think it's got as much charm and as much character as the Falcon. I think they really sort of hit the nail on the head. They've captured exactly what certain things about Star Wars, what resonates with fans. And as much as, you know, the living characters play a big part, some of the inanimate, uh, non-organic things is important and the falcon being one of those things and i i I love it i think it's great i think i'm sorely sorely tempted to buy one myself on the last show you said i will definitely be purchasing this pull the trigger this have you absolutely i waited till the last minute to do it but i I, you know i um i was always going to buy it uh because uh, i think a few people have been moaning about the price of it but i think when you actually weigh it up literally um i think it's not a bad deal really for all the bits and pieces you get with it i, I love them i think they're great i think they've, they've, they've hit the nail on the head with the retro one i don't understand people moaning about uh, mm, there's not many colors the sculpting's poor i don't like those capes that that's what the black series is for that's what the vintage collection is for this is the retro collection they're made to look like they were made and sculpted back in the 70s and 80s and i think they've got it absolutely right i think the quill looks fantastic and i love the vinyl capes because that takes you straight back to that vintage era i I think i think they're great and i can't wait to see the picard art for these it's going to be brilliant and i'm going to put them in case i'm going to get some cases off christian at gw acrylic and i'm going to have them on display right next to my razor crest the only modern thing i have sort of pre-ordered is the mandalorian nerf rifle I've got that in pre-order. As soon as they were available on Zavi, I've got to have one of those. I'm I'm just absolutely stoked for the Razor Crest. I, I cannot wait for that thing to start landing. Really excited for that. 
I think I would echo some of Dan's points that he, he said that I, th- I think you get to a point with a collection when you've been doing it for that long and prices become a bit too heavy and you just think, oh, I can't really justify spending this kind of money on this stuff anymore. And also the stuff I actually want is very, very thin on the ground these days. You know, collectors collect, don't they? they? They always need something to collect. I think what the show's done for me is it's highlighted, actually, that there's a Star Wars collecting world beyond sort of 19... Well, for me, it's 1982, because I don't really collect anything else after that. The modern stuff, so Black Series. I mean, I've got several pre-orders for Black Series figures. Uh, I never thought I'd see the day. I'm not quite ordering carbonized Cara Dunes at the moment, but I have got a Razor Crest on pre-order, which, you know, everybody knows. Most of us have got a Razor Crest on pre-order, as Dan said. I've just pre-ordered the Wrecker figure for the Bad Batch, um, because I'm, I'm actually really excited for that. And that's, that's the things where my lad really loves the parts of Star Wars that I don't really sort of venture into, like the Clone Wars and, and, and stuff like that. And he's, he's kind of, uh, you know, really sort of ignited a bit of a, a passion for other stuff, other Star Wars stuff that I, I wouldn't generally sit down and watch. So both of us are really looking forward to the Bad Batch because we watched the episode from uh, season seven, was it, from the, the Clone Wars, and it looks fantastic. The trailer looks great. Really, really excited for that. And also, I think Star Wars has progressed from where it was sort of pre Force Awakens, hasn't it? You know, Disney's output for Star Wars has really sort of, you know, got the ball rolling. We're not dealing with Lucasfilm anymore, where they put a film out every couple of decades, or a film series every couple of decades. This is Disney. They they are interested in putting out material, and they've got to pay for that four-point-whatever-billion-dollar purchase price from Lucasfilm that they they, they made. I dare say they've made that money back several-fold now. But yeah, it's, uh, it's it's just reignited a collecting sort of bug outside of vintage. So uh, yeah, no, it's it's great, and the show is you know the show is part of that definitely. Being part of the um, generation Skywalker is 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 fueled it without a shadow of a doubt. And I also think with you, I think the Mandalorian, the success of the show has helped you as well. You're loving the shows. You're looking at the product that's coming out. I mean, you, you, you've you been all over the place. You've bought helmets, Black Series. You've bought the Razor Crest. I think you bought a Lego, big Lego set. You have yeah. really delved into it. <laughs> have you opened it up, Mark? Did you no, I've your... kept it. Oh, jeez. No, I've kept it. Sealed. I haven't got the space to display it, but there is a company that, that sell um, acrylic displays for specific Lego sets, and they've done one for the cantina. And I just think, oh, my God. I, I could see that on top of a coffee table. I, I really could in my office. And I just think, yeah, I, I could I could well purchase one of those and maybe I'll have to sit down and, and, and make the cantina set up together. But I have to say, I do like the fact that it's mint sealed in, in the box. So, uh, yeah, I get as much enjoyment out of looking at it and on the, the picture on the box than I do from making it. So it's, it's, it's a win-win situation. Really. <laughs> I'm coming to you, Mark, because I never know whether you're going to like things or not, but Lego's so so much fun. We're talking about the Moss Eisley Cantina. What can you tell us about it? And do you like it? Oh, oh, mate. Oh, mate. I think it's fantastic. I really, really do. Um, it, it, it's very rare that something new comes out and I think, oh, my, I must, must have that. And I don't collect Star Wars Lego. 
there's never really been a set where I thought, oh my, I've got to have that. All these UCS collector sets, um, you know, Star Destroyers, the last Millennium Falcon they bought out was fantastic, but I never had that sort of urge to actually buy one because uh, these are considered purchases. I mean, this one's over 300 quid. So that gives you an idea of, A, the amount of Lego involved and how big this set is. So, yeah, it's it's not cheap, but I think you would quite easily get 300 quid's worth of pleasure just looking at the box, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's a work of art. It's a masterpiece. For me, when you think about when you were little and you were playing with Lego and you were thinking to yourself, wouldn't it be great if they did Star Wars Lego? This is the set that would ultimately you would piece together in your you know dream if you were given three wishes this was would be what you would create and i think lego have absolutely knocked it out of the park on this one um the figures the set it, how it opens out the speeders that you get with it uh, you get that sort of um uh, I can't remember the name of the, the speeder you get with it, but it's it's the one you see in the background with the three square jets at the top. You see that flying bus. It's got that in it. It's got that little round sort of hovery, hover type speeder that sits outside the entrance. It's got a, a new um, sculpted Jewback figure, um, and it's got uh, sort of several. I think there's 21 figures with the set, and uh, nearly half of those are exclusives. So you get um, Ponda Baba, Dr. Evazan, uh, Sand Trooper, uh, Garindan, the Imperial Spy, Sand Trooper, Luke Ben, 3PO R2, Han Chewie, Greedo, and a couple of the aliens, and the Cantina Band. And this thing opens out. And that's what I love about this. It is You could have this on display, open it out, and look at it for hours. They've got it absolutely nailed. I think it's I think it's fantastic. Now, does that answer your question, Stu? I must admit, uh, I think we've all been on a, a bit of a journey with modern. I think I think anyone that listens to that would have seen quite a movement. I mean, Craig, you're probably the most disciplined, but I mean, you've been buying Ewoks to paint hundred pound <laughs> sets. Yeah, I mean, customising. Who'd have thought it? That's new for me. And I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done. Watch this space. There will be a show very soon. Maybe a customiser's project? Well, that's the point, isn't it? So the the guys that do all this dioramas that actually would would build something like this could do a better job. One of the things I hope we get, we do get to cover more of next year is, or say that this year now, I suppose, is is the nineties. I know Grant's really passionate about his Phantom Menace stuff, and we talked about Thrawn trilogies and things like that. But there was so much happening in the nineties. I think it's really a not classed as vintage. Is it still classed as modern? But it's a real rich area. I think we could delve into. Definitely, I think that was always the plan, but but stuff started to come out so thick and fast. <laughs> We got swamped by new announcements, don't didn't we? But yeah, I, yeah, I really want to look at Shadows of the Empire line. That's uh, yeah, that's one oh, of my I love that. side yeah. focuses. Nice. Have you got uh, Dash Rendar's ship? I do. Yeah. Fly that around. Uh, it's it's in the box. I would quite like you to actually, <laughs> maybe at the first event which opens up, you could maybe put uh, like a GoPro on it and fly it around an event, <laughs> pretending yeah. to dash. <laughs> That's something else for you listeners to look forward to. Craig's got a lot of work with his TikTok videos and his yeah, customising. Yeah, this is uh, quite an action list for me. <laughs> I remember playing the Nintendo 64 game 
is it the first stage where you are in a snowspeeder attacking the attack? Yeah, yeah. That level, I, I remember a mate of mine having an N64 when he first came out, and he got that game with it, and uh, it was the it was the day, well, it was the night that Princess Diana died, and we'd gone round to his house, and uh, we basically played this game all night. We, we we stayed at his house, and we were absolutely, you know, tanked up to the, the eyeballs, and woke up the next morning, flipped on the television, the news was on there. Uh, it was all over the over the over the news, and uh, Princess Diana had been been killed in in the car crash, and we just looked at one another and said, "Ah, oh, right, okay," and, <laughs> and we just put the the N sixty four on, and started playing um, Shadows of the Empire straight away, as, as, as if nothing had, had happened. How do we carry on from that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you had to have been there, really. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was just one of those things where, we, you know, when you flip on the TV, oh, Princess Diana's dead. And we just said, oh, right, OK. <laughs> we just put the Nintendo on. I think it's a quite coping mechanism to deal with the grief you obviously experience, Mark. <laughs> I was in Turkey when she died. It's funny, isn't it? We all remember where we were. So now I know, when I was in Turkey on that holiday, that Mark was sitting in his pants playing N64. How did you know I was just in my pants, mate? That's just how I'm picturing it. Really dirty, (laughs) like red and white stripes, but the whites are like grey. Surrounded by empty beer cans. Like a scene from Train Spotting. Well, that's the trailer for our uh, Shadows of the Empire special. Hello, it's Kimberly here. I just wanted to say um, happy birthday to you all. Um, What a ride. I know you all put in lots and lots of work to the podcast and I know it takes ages to put these things together and you you put all your passion into this and you work really, really hard. So I just wanted to say thank you and thank you for inviting me on the beer show. I really enjoyed it. Do have a bit of a hangover the next day though, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, happy birthday. and now I'm off to drink, I think there's at least a pint and a half in here. <laughs> Cheers to you, happy birthday. As we said, or we've already stated tonight, we created Generation Skywalker because, I mean, the Star Wars universe is just wide open. So we wanted to cover whatever we felt like covering. I mean, so many different areas. And uh, one of the things was to bring to bring experts in or bring guests in. And we've done that to a point this year. I think we'd all agree that we'd like to do that a bit more. But we did have a couple of months where we recorded a lot of shows. And, and in September, we decided to do Book Month. Dan, coming back to you on this, can you remind us about Book Month? How many shows we did, what we covered, what guests we had on. And we also run a competition, didn't we, that month? So through September, we did a series of five shows covering um, the books of Star Wars, both fiction and nonfiction. I think on the first show, we just generally discussed our our favourite books. And then we went on and did a a more um, focused collecting book show. Um, We also had some guests on. So we had Richard Hutchinson from TVR come on and he discussed his love of the expanded universe. We did an interview with uh, Stephen Sansweet where he discusses all of the books that he authored. We also had a show covering the Thrawn trilogy that we've already mentioned. So we had Mark Newbold, um, Mark Mulcaster. And then we also ran, like we've mentioned, like, like Stu mentioned, we ran a, ran a competition. It was basically the clash of the, the book covers, uh, a, a book cover death match, if you like. So each of the hosts, we all picked out several of our favourite covers from various novels. And then, yeah, we, we played them off against each other on several social media platforms. And the participants who voted each got to vote which, which hosts cover they like the most and at the end of that the the, the people who voted got to uh, got put in a, uh, a draw for a big pile of books that 
we put together as a prize. Yeah, so let's just have a little listen to, to what we covered in there. So I'm just going to give you something now and you'll think, oh, right, yeah. So that's what Harrison was like on set because I just, I love this. I'm really, really warm to it. So if you don't mind, just indulge me. It said, Harrison met George and Mark at Hampton's for lunch. Mark had previously told Harrison that neither the film nor George picked up the tab for lunch. It was strictly everyone on their own. Money was tight on the Star Wars and the budget having continued to creep higher and higher. But this seems more from George's natural ways rather than the budget truly necessitated. After all, how much could a few burgers add to the multi-million dollar budget? He goes on to say, at the end of the meal that, um, that day, the waiter put the check down on the table. Harrison reached over and picked it up. He turned to Mark Hamill and said, go ahead, you're done, go home. Don't worry about this, he said, waving the check. Mark said, are you sure? And Harrison nodded, so Mark said okay and left. Harrison slowly perused the check, nodding. Looks right to me. He put the check down in front of George, got up and headed for the door of the recording studio. And um, so it just shows that sort of, you know, Harrison was there, big brother to Mark Hamill, insisting that Mark doesn't pay, but just gives it to George. And it's just these little behind the scenes things, which we would have never, never known about. I, think, I, I understood why they killed off Chewbacca, and I totally get that, because when you were, you know, you heard interviews with the writers, and, and Chewbacca's an incredibly difficult character to write for, because he doesn't speak, and he just grunts and growls, and other than him becoming, you know, a, pretty much a bodyguard for Han Solo, who spent 20 years drinking coffee and, and watching from the sidelines, uh, there, there was there, it was an incredibly difficult character to write, so they had to bring out a new series with a bang. What's interesting about it is it adds so much depth to the phantom menace um and that like how many people knew that darth plagueis was actually alive during the phantom menace um you know and that darth sidious was actually still his apprentice at the time and it was and it was about how darth plagueis had actually set so many things in motion but he didn't realize that darth sidious was already playing him well before darth sidious was playing his master the cover is really iconic, isn't it? But there's no writing on it or anything. So was that ever a gamble? What, what was the thinking behind the cover? Well, that was that was really interesting. I mean, they were asking me for a cover image, and I came up with the we came up with the gold uh, Darth Vader case, and um, and then I I submitted that as a, as a possible iconic cover, and then the designers who were just really sharp sold the publisher on the idea of doing it as a four-section photo and black and gold. And then the idea of not putting the title on the cover just shows how iconic the image of Darth Vader was. And um, I thought that was a pretty bold move. But they realized that most books are shelved in bookstores with the spine out. And even if the cover was put out it would attract people because they would say well whoa what's this and uh, and it did it worked very well one of the few books i've ever seen that doesn't have a title or any any writing on the cover we have some wonderful pictures of Anne. who we needed photos of the figures off the cards and so i've always bought two or three or i've tried to get two or three of each figure um on a card and had not taken them off a card for many many years and uh well we got all the dupes and just we have a picture of ann on the floor 
lying on top of a pile of maybe hundreds of ripped cards and bubbles. <laughs> she has she and, a, and some other friends have helped to take the figures off, catalog them, put them in uh, little plastic bags with uh, numbers on them so we can find them, and then we put them in, uh, in little cardboard bins in alphabetical order. You know, sometimes if it was Darth Vader, uh, there'd be two and a half bins filled with just variations of the Darth Vader figure. How many Darth Vader figures can you come up with? He doesn't change the way he looks. Well, more than you think. With all of the knowledge, data and imagery of you, you've amassed creating these books, you're pretty well placed to actually create an online resource that could probably blow the SWCA out of the water in terms of design and accessibility. Is this something that's ever been considered, discussed, or um, or would it be treading on too many toes? And Yes, we're working on one. Oh. We're working on a Ooh. database that will become part of the virtual museum. And so that's in our plans, and that's something that's uh, in the, the early stages. And uh, I'm confident that it will that it will happen. When Air to the Empire hit number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, and they did kind of put it out almost as an experiment, it really was a statement of, well, okay, Star Wars has been pretty quiet since, you'd say, 86, 87, you know, end of end of Ewoks and Droids. The Ewok movies have come out. West End have just released the role-play game in 87, and then there's not an awful lot apart from, I think, the, the, the 3D comics. I think there was pretty much nothing released apart from West End stuff all through that time period. Now, if you're a gamer, which I was, I, I consider what people call the dark times to be amongst the busiest periods of my fandom because I was role-playing three nights a week. So we were just, it was Star Wars, the most immersive Star Wars we'd ever had since we were running around in the playground, pretending to be, you know, Han, Luke and Chewie and stuff. But um, when you get to 91, Air the Empire comes out, they're almost testing the water. I've seen that, Things where Lucasfilm sort of said, you know, kind of testing the water to see if the interest is still there. And obviously it was. So so when Air to the Empire comes back and goes in at number one, and it was very much pitched as being the sequel to Return of the Jedi, that's kind of lost in the in the in the static these days when Air Now and all the other film, you know, books and comics of that time are now legends, like you said a moment ago. When that came out, there was no doubt this was the sequel to Return of the Jedi. We weren't getting films, but we were getting books. So everybody who wanted to know what happened next, it was this and very soon after Dark Empire, it was those two books and comics that that started to fill the gap. And blimey, talk about unplugging the dam. I know sometimes you can kind of criticise it a little bit, but there's kind of beats where it's kind of like almost kind of referencing back to the original trilogy which you can completely understand why they did that, you know, given the reason why they released a book in the first place. But I think it helps tie everything together a little bit. I mean, I know possibly now we would say it's a bit fan servicey, but I think back then it was sometimes it was quite nicely done. Just a couple of exchanges between like Han and, and Leia and stuff like that, where I think he says, well, you know, I don't want to discuss it with the committee and all that kind of stuff. You know, that kind of banter that we, we saw on, on screen is now... In, in printed word in a, in a new story i think there's a there's a, there's a distinction with the types of books we've just just spoken about so the, the the former ones the ones where you know they're 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 fans with a passion they've written these guides to proofs or prototypes or coins it's come from 
a place where there's a lot of love and and you know they, they cherish that aspect of their hobby and i think that really comes through these publications but then there's another school of books which i think just come from that tradition of price guides for antiques because that's a long tradition in publishing and star wars became hot so they said oh we better do a book about this new trend and and that's sort of the genesis of those and they're, they're quite distinct things aren't they now this is a um yep tiny little book quite literally pocketbook you're probably talking less than uh, two inch squared i thought it's uh it's a lovely little treat by steve samsweet which came out in 1998 and before i go on these can be picked up now for about three or four pounds on amazon probably ebay as well but what i like about this is it was perfect because you can just have it in your pocket you can you know if you go to um, star wars conventions or celebrations i took this with me because i thought yeah why not and uh, you should have seen the look on Steve Sansweet's face when <laughs> when I went to Rancho Obi Wan, and people were queuing up to get book signs, and you know he was doing his big book signings for his latest book, and uh, and I rock up with this tiny little thing, and uh, join the queue, and uh, he looks at, at me as if to say, "Brilliant, is that it? Thanks very much." And the final came down to two absolute uh, masters of Star Wars art in Ralph McQuarrie and Drew Struzan. So, you know, I was very, very pleased to see those two in the final and, you know, actually happy for either to win. So the results are in. We've, we've totted up the results and pleased to announce live on air that uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye has walked away from this competition victorious. And I think it's a well-deserved win. I've, I've got no problem with that result at all. I think it's a wonderful cover. I think it's got great... Are you doing victory laps around the office, Stu? Just telling the wife that I've won. <laughs> She's pouring the champagne as we talk. Yeah. Well, congratulations to be on the winner's podium there. Uh, Sorry, what, what were the figures? How, how tight was it? Not tight at all. You walked away with it. So, yeah, it, 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 was, a, it was a clear winner on every platform. Uh, and we've got a few... Uh, a few comments from people that we can uh, that we can that we can read out on Facebook from Jonathan Evans. I'm a fan of both of these incredible creators, but my favourite cover here is Splinter, and by a fair margin. In many respects, the draftsmanship is not as good as the Vision cover. One could even call it slightly dated. But the composition and the motion in that image is just too powerful to overlook. Vader looking down on Luke and Leah, just as he'd look down on us. Where would you be if Vader confronted you? on the floor, terrified. Even reduced to a tiny thumbnail, that splinter cover conveys a whole story of fear and indomitable power. No faces to do the work, just silhouettes. It's a classic, perfect image. It was close, in fairness. In fairness, boys, I think we made some good choices. The only one I wouldn't have put in there, honestly, was the um, Dan's first choice. I mean, Dan, I, I kind of get Death Troopers, but what was that? It's awesomeness, that's what it is. He's making out like he's drawn the things oh. in the first place. Yeah. Go back and listen to that because I didn't just win. I absolutely slaughtered them. <laughs> I mean, it was so one-sided and they all kind of like claimed, oh, actually, it's funny you bring it up, Dan. Actually, oh, God. <laughs> it's really strange, right? I heard something on that show recently when I was, I think I was putting together one of the montages or something. And then you come out with, well, sure. Everyone's chosen something with Leia Luke <laughs> on the cover. I'm the only one that hasn't. That's why I've chosen this god-awful one with this ball geezer with a lightsaber. And I looked at the covers, and every one of us had chosen one book cover which didn't have Luke, Han, and Leia on the cover. So your argument fell down. I just wanted to bring that up just to make sure you were aware that you weren't the only one that chose one. 
all of us had one. I mean, I had the spaceship one, Craig had Maul, and Jez had the Stormtrooper on a stake, which, I mean, well, let, let's not talk about that, because we all know my thoughts on that. Talk us through Death Troopers. It's just something a little bit different, isn't it? Because it, it's, it looks like a complete spin-off between Saw and Star Wars or something out there. It's making me go, what on earth's gone on there? Death Troopers is splattered full of blood, like someone's really taken one to the jugular and, you, and you've had some sort of you know, pumping all over the place and you, you've got two hooks suspended down one is just there to the left of star wars the other hook is through the stormtrooper's eye lens and he's also got a hole just in his forehead like he's just you know almost been double tapped and um obviously it's a severed head because there's all sorts of stuff hanging down underneath the helmet it's just gross which makes me think hmm interesting i, I want to come in here because I think this is a disgrace that this is in the eight as well, right? One, you didn't have zombies in Star Wars. I mean, I mean, come on, it just just makes a mockery of the whole universe. <laughs> Secondly, Star Wars is for everyone. It's a family thing. In our intro music to this show, we've got Alec Guinness saying, "There's no horrors. People get shot and they drop down. No blood, no guts." And that cover straight away just ruins everything that Star Wars was built. It's just it's just a disgrace. Strong words. You say about zombies. What, what's to say that that's a zombie thing on the front cover? All right, we're, we're judging a book by its cover here. Nothing to do with zombies on the front cover. And you say it makes a mockery of the Star Wars universe. I mean, a hello. Sorry? A hook in the eye. Yeah. I'll take my, my son to watch Star Wars films. I wouldn't want to see a hook going in someone's eye. Do you, you, let, your kid, do you let your kids watch uh, Clone Wars, G? Excuse me. Who's there's zombies in that. There's, there's zombies in that. Yeah, there's no, zombies it's ridiculous, in... isn't it? That's a good episode. This is Star Wars. And um, to promote it like that, I think I think Jezus needs to take a long, hard look at himself. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was great though, wasn't it? I think we had, I think, you know, joking aside, we had a great time recording it. Just shame we had to end up with uh, with you, Lord, and it over everyone else. I really enjoyed Book Month. I enjoyed putting it together and enjoyed the topics. And I, I think literature-wise, there's so much other stuff to cover. I would love to suggest that September we do it again. I'm just looking now. I've, I've, I've purchased one, two, three, four, five books off the back of doing that. All not cheap books either, all you know decent reference guides and various bits it was yeah expensive so yeah we can do it again but <laughs> would you be up for doing book month again craig i really enjoyed book month it was a lot of work we did a lot of shows that we were recording enhancing and then the the social media competition on top of that daily um monitoring that working out that knockout competition was a lot of work but but yeah i would absolutely do it again but well, we'd start earlier this time i think <laughs> recording and we're putting them aside <laughs> I definitely think Book Month is a goer again. Happy birthday to Generation Skywalker. It's been one year and I think it's a great podcast. Some really good people involved and some really good discussions and uh, contributions to the hobby. And uh, hope there's many more years to come. So, happy birthday Generation Skywalker. So what else did we do? Obviously, I did record two diecast episodes. The first episode I recorded with Andrew Norton about the diecast vehicles that came out in the vintage era. And then I had Josh Blake on, who and we went through the micro collection toys. Now, I think at the beginning of the first episode of that, I say like a six-episode six, six episode, uh, run. I've only done two in a year. 
But that's still on the agenda. I mean, the next one I want to cover from that is the West End Games. That is an area I'd love to go to. Any of you boys played the West End Games? I bought the book back in the day, the the very first uh, game book, but I had no friends, so no one to play it with. (laughs) Definitely interesting. I think there's loads of diecasts. I want to cover things like Micro Machines and there's other diecast toys from the vintage period, isn't there? And, there's the um, funny bootlegs. They might be a little sort of margin notes episode rather than a full episode, but I think they're quite interesting. I think with these things, it's it's finding the right expert, isn't it? So if anyone exactly. is listening and you are an expert in uh, West End uh, West End Games minifigures, then uh, get in touch. Yeah, and I wanted to come right up to date as well. I mean, the Disney Elite stuff, we've obviously covered it briefly on previous shows. I know, Craig, you're a yeah, yeah. big collector of that. And I mean, also the Hot Wheels cars. I think there's been, there's mm-hmm. no end of them now, character cars. There's collectors out there for it or they wouldn't keep producing them so all just different areas i think i think the diecast still has legs but it will be as and when like you say find the right expert do the research for it and put it together and they released just 11 diecast ships in that time now what i want to ask you first of all andy you know you'd have done more research than most into this why was the line so brief and such limited number so I've given a lot of thought to that. I think it's a scale issue. It's a little bit like the 12-inch line. The three and three-quarter inch toys are so popular that ships work. Ships are relatively affordable. Figures are cheap as anything back then, still pocket money. Money, And then you've got this line of tiny spaceships that aren't even to scale with each other that mums and dads are being asked to, to kind of splash out on for their kids and speaking of someone who used to have some of these we, we we loved it and you know they worked we didn't have a lot of the big ships so they they worked with our three and three quarter inches but if you had a die cast x-wing and you got your luke skywalker you really want the, the bigger ship that's that's my view on it and then they realized sales sales weren't there so come 1980 let's let's not make any more <laughs> Before we move off the Darth Vader TIE Fighter here, quite an interesting thing you've got down here that some people didn't know, I didn't know until I was browsing your website, is that this ship was used for the eyes in dark crystal of a character. Yeah, it was one of the, the Skeksis. And again, this is um, you know this is not my observation. I've seen a few people refer to this over the years. Um, I suppose the, the one bit of debate, is it the Darth Vader TIE or is it a painted grey TIE fighter? And I, I think unless you've got it in hand, you're not really going to be able to say the fact that the Skeksis's eye is grey, w- I'm leaning towards it being the Darth Vader TIE. But if someone was to tell me, no, no, it's, it's the TIE fighter that's been painted, then... I wouldn't argue with them. It's yeah, Skektek the Scientist. You just mentioned that you remember the micro collection from when you were young. Obviously, it didn't last very long. How how long was it available? Well, it really was only uh, available at retail for about six months, and most of it just sat on shelves. Uh, that's that's at least how I was introduced to it. You know, you go to the Toys R Us or KB Toys. That was always the discounted Star Wars items. So they they ceased production on the line January the 5th, 1983. So everything that was in in pre-production at that point was ceased, and everything that was retailed, the orders stopped. So all of the order numbers that, that we have from you know, internal Kenner paperwork, we don't know that they actually produced that many uh, items. And I'll just give you just a really quick idea of what they were estimating that first year. They were looking at about 300,000 for some of the smaller sets it was kind of a a test in the beginning but they it was also something that they had put a tremendous amount of 
time and effort and money into because they really thought they had a home run. I'm always quite surprised that it, it wasn't as successful. Well, it was and just it, ahead of its time. I, I, yeah. I think at, at that point, I, I think the reason that they really thought that, that they, they had a home run on their hands was because of the uh, the interest in of that time, the Dungeons and Dragons figures that were made of zinc and lead and uh and i mean i i didn't know any different when i was a kid it was it was something that was cheap i liked miniature items i liked the the idea that it was more realistic in a lot of ways than the three and three quarter inch and that's arguable (laughs) but uh to me just having like a whole place that i thought was was fantastic it was a great idea I think one of the best shows we recorded, all four of us were on it, and I think it was with Jez, was the beer show. And obviously we had Craig's uh, better half, Kimberly, come and uh, take us through a beer tasting show. Yeah, I loved the beer show. The, be- the beer show came out of me noticing just how many indie beers were being released that referenced Star Wars in one way, shape or form. So you know, the idea was that it would be fun to get a few of them and, and try them on air to your point right at the start we haven't been able to get together and have a beer together so this is a good excuse all in the name of creating a fun and entertaining content for our listeners but yeah we tied we tied that together talking about beer related merch i think kimberly really added something in terms of helping us understand the beers uh, we were sampling she's a she's a, a beer expert beer writer works in the industry so that was a a nice addition and yeah, to my mind, it, it's up to that point, it'd been a pretty unexplored kind of aspect of, of Star Wars. And, you know, I started writing the blog to go with it and, and just couldn't stop. I just kept finding more and more things to write about. So we will definitely be uh, be following up on that and, and having beer show number two. I think we should do it in person next time. I don't. No? Put me off my beer. Look at your face. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that show, Craig. Enjoyed the blog, everything about it. Amazing. Well, some thoughts on what we can do next time. We've already got we've already got candidate beers lined up. Brilliant. Uh, and we've got some... I think because we, we're able to point at that show now and point at that blog and approach Brews and say, look, this is the kind of thing that we're doing they want to get on board with it now um so we've had we've had a good response from independent breweries and and, and people out there making these beers so um so hopefully we can get a few more of them onto the show um to speak in person do you know what every, every show i look at as well i think it gets me into collecting because i, I collect the beer cans now i've just got I have an idea in my head for something when my garage is done <laughs> and that show obviously made me buy the the rancor teeth thing as well i mean it's crazy doing this kind of stuff it's just cost you a fortune so while you've just finished those uh, those dregs you can be lining up the next one which right. is um tiny rebel so this is your uh, this is your pudding yeah i mean this this comes from a brewery called tiny rebel which is in the heart of grant criddle country so they're based in newport wales and um i, I think they're one of the f- yeah, of all the craft beers that we've talked about, they're one of the craft beers that I first noticed with this Star Warsy aesthetic. And I think around 2012, is it that far back? Um, 2015, um, they started brewing this beer. They wanted to create um, a, a very rich porter that um, that had quite a, a different, unique uh, flavour. And they went for sort of pumping it full of marshmallow. And when this brand was born, they called it Stay Puffed. Out of their, uh, out of homage to their second favourite film franchise, and when they kind of amped that up later down their line, they sort of made it an imperial. 
um, what they did to the design was they they basically stuck a, a stormtrooper helmet um, on there with some 80s uh, slatted uh, shades, uh, and that's sort of stuck. That's stuck as a style. Uh, and they do these quite limited beers where they fuse this marshmallowy porter with um, with different types of flavours. So I absolutely love um, the imperial versions of this. Um, you know, it's nine percent in terms of um, the other flavours they've done. I'm a massive fan of the salted caramel one. So they did a salted caramel one. I actually took a suitcase full of it to the last celebration to hand out um and you know we went to a kind of beer share so that went down really well they've also done a coconut cream last christmas they did um a limited edition pack where they did a praline one and they've also done a a bacon waffle variation so there is some weird and wonderful um spins on the imperial stay puff but you know they keep going um they just did an espresso martini one this one that you've got now the irish cream variation um that's actually been out for a little while <laughs> I opened it and it's it, that sweetness really hits you, but then it's really dark when you pour it out. Wasn't what I was expecting off the smell. Yeah, literally black, isn't it? Yeah. So in terms of um, a porter, I mean, you're definitely going to see that this is kind of a, a strong porter at nine percent. Um, you know, it is going to pour that kind of black. Um, I absolutely adore porters and also stouts, but um, I guess the notes that you're getting from this are a little bit of chocolate. Obviously, those marshmallows are coming through, um, and then you're going to get a real hit of coffee, especially with the addition of the Baileys. Um, but I think, you know, it gives you that kind of smooth aftertaste. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, I definitely can envisage drinking more of these at Christmas. And if you, even if you wanted to get some of these now, they will age really well, and you could crack them open next Christmas as well. And obviously, we've also had a couple of weeks. We said we wanted to bring in some guests. We've only had a couple of these types of interviews, but where we asked people to bring five items, and we had Ross Barr and Zia both come on and give us what they brought to the table. I, I do like listening to like people where they, you know, where they've come from and how they, the journey they've been on to get where they are. Certainly, I think Ross's and, and Zia's interviews were both really insightful for that. Yeah, and I, you know, putting around the house and going about your day, it's, it's great listening to that kind of stuff. It's someone else's passion, isn't it? It's what yeah. they they are into, and so often it can be so different. I mean, on Zia's interview, the story of his Australian friend. <laughs> The story behind the, the French uh, Organa, the Meccano one, uh, it's it's about the friendship, really. It's about the friendship in, in the hobby. Uh, and I, I actually wanted to, to, to illustrate that because, you know, it's it's the hobby is great. You collect all these things, but, you know, more than, than collecting pieces of plastic, it's about the people around you, the community, you know, the, 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 the people on the Facebook. Uh, all the friends you, you make and 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 the story behind behind that layer it, it is about the friendship it's about the the people who help you to to to, to get the item uh so the story behind it is starts with uh, i've got a couple of friends uh who are part of the vader uh vintage group which i i administer um uh, darren eddie who's based in australia and sven schneider who's based in in, in germany so what happened uh, one summer, I, I purchased a 12-back uh, R2 uh, in Australia, and I, I found out my friend um, Darren, who's based in, in Brisbane, was going to come uh, to London. And uh, I asked him, do you, do you mind if I, if I get this, uh, this uh, R2 shipped to, 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 your, to your address? And then you can, you can bring it along. 
to London, and he said, "Yeah, sure, sure." He, you know, he, he was he was such a gent, and he said, "Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll bring it along." So at the same time, um, my friend Sven uh, contacted me, and as I say, Sven is based in Germany, and Sven said uh, uh, he showed me this this picture of of this uh, the French uh, mechano, the Leia, and he said, uh, "Do you want it?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'd love it." I haven't. I mean, I, I don't. I, I didn't have it, and I, I was really looking forward to to get a, a foreign card. So I said, "Yeah, I'd love to have it." I didn't have an, uh, enough funds, uh, but uh, I managed to sweeten the deal with uh, Minton Card Vera that I had. I, I was. I didn't want, uh, and uh, Sven was happy to exchange or do a, a, a part deal with this. So we agreed the deal, some cash and and and, and that Vera item. But I this. Thought occurred to me, right? I, I don't have any problem to ship my Vader, but I, I was really, really concerned about you know getting the, that layer, how 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 he's going to ship it, and, and just to make sure it doesn't get damaged. So uh, I, when I was talking to Darren, Darren mentioned, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way to uh, London, and um, oh by the way, yeah, I'll come to London. I'll, I'll drop the the twelve back, uh, the R2, and then I, I'm off to Germany to visit Sven. So I said. Oh, are you okay? I said, uh, do you mind taking that Vader to him and bringing back the Leia? He said, yeah, sure, mate, no problem. As I say, what can I say, D- Darren? What a what a guy! Uh, I met him in London. He, he gave me my twelve back. Uh, I gave him my 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 Vader uh, to take to 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 Sven. Uh, he went to Germany and came back with uh, with the Leia. And uh, we uh, we had lunch. Uh, Darren, his lovely wife Sarah, in a Turkish restaurant, uh, and this is where he gave me my my French layer. And I was super excited, and it was it was great opportunity to 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 meet uh, Darren and and to have a you know some some time talk about Star Wars, his collect collection collection, and and what he well, you know his life and all that stuff. So it was great. <laughs> And Ross's story of the Darth Vader 12-back, when he bought those 12-backs in the wild and he got there and the, the Vader had tape around the bubble. Rather than me saying it, I'll, I'll insert it here, actually, that story, because it is a great story. Very early in my Star Wars collecting, I did a deal with a gentleman. One of the, one of the very earliest um, collectibles that I bought in person, and the, certainly the first 12-backs, this guy had... And often advertise. Actually, I had an advertisement on Craigslist at the time. You, you folks don't have Craigslist, but you, you probably heard of it. It was it's it's an online online ad service that a lot of people sold stuff through before Facebook came and took over a lot of that. People still advertise on Craigslist, but it's it's gone down. But I had an advertisement at, at the time to buy Star Wars collectibles, and this guy contacted me and he said, "I have Death Squad Commander number." You know, blah 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 blah. Stormtrooper number eight nine two four six. What he was reading was the skew on the top left, right? You know, on the top That's left, right, on the front of the card. Yeah. Right. So the, the guy, he wasn't a collector. Didn't know what was going on. Obviously, no one, no one describes Star Wars collectibles that way. But he had um, five twelve backs and sent me pictures of them, and it was great. And so I went. I was, you know, you, you ever? I don't know if you've done a lot of scoring in the wild but the feeling when you're on your way you know with a a pile of money to go meet someone in person for something like that it was it was the biggest one that i had very early on and i was i was just pumped i get there and i go and i meet this guy and these 12 backs are pristine he bought them 
I think at a movie theater or something, maybe a department store or something at the time, all the way back early when the line first came out, had them in his attic and had forgotten about him forever until he found him, saw my ad and, and met me up. And it was five dead mint 12 backs, a Chewbacca, a death squad commander, stormtrooper, I'm, I'm forgetting the other one, and, and, a, and a Vader, all beautiful, except for the Vader had tape all around the bubble. And so I asked the guy, I was like, these are all dead men. What, what's the story with this one? And he said, when I was doing research about these figures, I saw that you, if I had a double telescoping Darth Vader, it would be worth significantly more money. So I opened the figure to see if it was double telescoping. <laughs> right? And so I'm like, excuse me? What? And, <laughs> and so he had taped it back on the bubble. Right. And, and obviously had it been a D, I mean, these were actually, these were all 12 A's too. So it could have been, could have been a DT, but had it, had it been a DT, removing it from the card would have been the worst thing that he could have done. Did you right? tell him that? I mean, I, I just told him, you, you probably could have told him what it was. You could have probably <laughs> figured out what it was, not by opening up the card, but what what's done is done. He had done it. Yeah. Well, there you go. So what we will say is anybody that fancies an interview, and anybody, it doesn't just have to be collectors, you could own one beta figure, you could own the best collection in the world, you could own no figures, but have a real passion for Star Wars. We would love to interview anybody, wouldn't we? I think we'd all agree on that. Hi guys, I know exactly what you're thinking. Who's that handsome dude first thing in the morning? Well, it's Rich here from the Vintage Rebellion, and I just want to say a huge shout out to Generation Skywalker. Congratulations on hitting your one year anniversary. I know how hard it is to put out a show, Stu knows exactly how hard it is, and to go one full year with all the shows, the contents, the blogs, everything that you've put up has been absolutely tremendous. I really enjoyed uh, listening to your show, I love reading the blogs, I really enjoyed many of the Craig's Spivey, hopefully we'll have another one soon talking about um, comics or something along those lines, Dark Horse, whatever. Okay, but keep going guys, one year down, 20 more to go, well done. I want to go back to At Christmas. We did um, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit and I was Quizmaster and I, I think competing Craig and it was Jez Grant and we had Mark Hockley on, didn't we? And this stemmed from a comment Jez made on a previous show saying, I can beat anyone at a trivia game, what's to do with the movies? Has never been very good at quizzes and has continued that in a different format. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Right. Film quizzes, film Star Wars, the actual Star Wars films, I will pan everyone. Right. Jess okay. has just done that. We will be playing live <laughs> on a standalone show, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Yes. Jez will pan everybody. We heard it here. Okay. So we thought we'd test him on that. And it, it turned out to be really, really tight. I think you have eventually won, Craig. I mean, you fell quite badly behind, but you came through. And won, didn't you? I did. I wouldn't say I gave the best performance of the evening, but the dice was in my favour. I'm gonna um I'm gonna own up to something now. Okay, I just wanna just wanna play the very first question was to Mark Hockley. Let's just have a quick listen. <laughs> right, Mark, here we go. You have got four, so what colour would you most like to go to start with? Um I'll go with orange, please. Orange? Interesting. 
Okay. Who destroyed the last of the Death Star's sentry ships? Oh man, that's a tumbleweed moment. Um, um, <laughs> I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna have just, to hurry you. You really question yourself, don't you? Um, R2. R2D2. I'm afraid, Mark, you're the first person to get a question oh, wrong there. It was Han Solo. He's not, he's not a droid, a creature, or an alien. That's what confused me. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a very, very good point. <laughs> I was thinking it can't point. be Han. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be Arthur or Chewie. And I don't remember Chewie doing it. It must have been Arthur. I don't know. Yeah, never mind. Now, Mark gets that question wrong, okay? Because he's landed on the category aliens, creatures, and droids. And uh, he gives his answer, and the answer was Han Solo. And he questions it, and he's like, oh. So he, he gets the first question wrong, and, and he can tell by his voice it's a little bit embarrassed, because a lot of the questions that come were quite easy that followed. And he goes, oh, I, did, I didn't think it'd be Han Solo, because he's not a creature, an alien, or a droid. And uh, I didn't tell him at the time, but I accidentally read the wrong question off the card. So perhaps he would have been better. Oh, rematch. <laughs> oh, my God. I, when, when he goes, when he said that, I look back at the card and I thought, oh, yeah, because there was, there was two colours very similar on the card. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, yeah, so Mark, bad luck. <laughs> That's just the way it goes sometimes, isn't it? Shocking. But that was that was fun. I mean, I don't know whether people enjoy listening to that kind of thing. If you just listen to it and join in and answer the questions, it's great. But to record, it's fun. It had some quite decent download numbers, actually. But, yeah, it was it was a fun evening anyway for us, wasn't it? It was. Hey, Generation Skywalker, Chris Letty, a.k.a. Vintage Viewport from the Six Scale Scavengers Hot Toys podcast here. Just wanted to say happy birthday. Congrats on one year of podcasting, YouTubing, all that fun stuff. Uh, You guys do such a great job. Can't wait for what's to come. And, uh, you know, I feel honored being the first featured uh, guest uh, interview and, uh, you know, Every guest since has been just amazing, added so much to the community. We really appreciate everything that the entire Generation Skywalker podcast team does. Uh, Just keep doing what you're doing and definitely look forward for what's to come. So, again, happy birthday, congrats, guys, and uh, here's to many more. Obviously, we go back to the modern way about uh, three or four shows when Dan uses the term custard guys. And I can't believe none of us picked him up on it at the time. I thought he'd said it, but I didn't question him at the time until I did the edit. And I thought, yeah, he's calling custom people custard guys. I mean, it's not even close as a word, Dan. I was hungry. I'm waiting for the Mark Daniels uh, visual uh, representation of this. <laughs> the, little, the little custard guys logo for the T-shirt. Mark, there you go. It, it, it will be done. <laughs> I can see it in my head. It'll yeah, be amazing. It'll be done. And I'll, I'll do a, I'll do um, a T-shirt for Gibbon, Gibbon Fella as well. Gibbon Fella, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go, listeners. We've got a T-shirt line coming. I, I want one that just says, it's a positive film. <laughs> <laughs> Kimberly loves that. She hears it all the time. Can we get a picture of um, Grant scraping 
stickers off of Woolworth's floor, whatever it, you know, he was trying to. <laughs> what's that? All about? I can imagine him, can't you? With like a, with like a wallpaper scraper. Totally. Little nineties Grant with his dreads. Yeah. The knees of the with a wallpaper scraper. Jez isn't here to defend himself, but I think he kind of thinks I bully him sometimes. But I mean, some people are easy targets, aren't they? And Jez is one of them. I mean, I really would urge all of you more to to call him out and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a he's a funny little chap oh here he is uh, strangely enough yes you just joined us hello hello we? we were just talking about you oh that's nice that's nice to be spoken about well i hope it's nice to be spoken about how, you how doing? are we my friend yeah we're all good is yeah. it is this some sort of party i'm joining did you not get the invite? <laughs> mm, yeah, indeed. Mm, yeah, all good. Uh, funnily enough, we're just going through some shows, Jez, and actually, I'm going to just hand this straight over to you for a minute. Oh, I don't. So, hello, welcome. But Jez, the Running Stormtrooper. Mm. We've obviously put out two of the Running Stormtrooper shows on the Generation Skywalker platform. Could you just tell us a bit about the podcast? Yeah, brilliant. It was done with a very handsome chap, a good friend of mine called Stuart Skinner. <laughs> to which, dude, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. Bless you. Um, it was lovely doing this um throughout the year the idea was we we're just going to do a little episode with um some running tips or some fundraising tips and a sort of uh, going back over a story of one of the things which have been accomplished in the past be it guinness world record or london marathon 40 mile 100k etc and just catch up uh, of with regards to how the run how the thousand miles was going throughout the year with all the things that the year was thrown at us and it was just a bit of a chinwag, really. And it was just meant to be a sort of 40, 45 minute show, uh, which I was hoping that people could listen to whilst walking the dog or maybe even going for a run themselves. And it was just um, just a lovely catch up as well, which um, I really enjoyed. I thoroughly enjoyed making. And, uh, you know, I've had a few people ask if we're going to be making any more. But no, it was it was just that series of 10 to accompany the 2020 Thousand Mile Challenge. Lovely stuff, Jess. Lovely stuff. My target, I was already delighted with because when I woke up on that morning, when I woke up on the 20th of December, I had just reached my 14,000 target. So I, I was over by about £10 or so. So £14,000 I, I, I was I was at. And then within, within the space of five minutes, I looked at my phone and it said 16,000 and then 17,000 and rising. And I couldn't believe it. I had to turn the notifications off of my watch because I just needed to be able to run and, and see what was going on. And, and, and I could still see the notifications coming on my phone. But, mate, I, I I carried on running. I put my helmet on, and I had the biggest grin underneath that helmet. And I was just like, don't matter. You've got 18 miles to run. Grizz it out. Just hang on in there. Your foot can be fine. You have 18 miles. You, you will get this done in three hours and 12 minutes. <laughs> And uh, and let let's just hold on because you are getting sponsorship now for these charities, and it was the it was the best feeling. And and it it the rate then started to to drop off, you know, the frequency. But for that first half an hour, forty five minutes, it was unbelievable the amount. I think I think I must have had about four hundred donations. And uh, and having read through all the little notes and all the 
and all the well wishes and, and things people had put on my Virgin Money given sight about what they had seen. It was lovely, really, really nice. So, um, yeah, I, I was already flying high before I'd even run three miles. And there's not much more to report, really, about the last run, <laughs> apart from the cloud, which I uh, I stopped and took a photograph of, because, as you know, you know, we're both sort of Star Wars nerds and stuff like that, and I was just in my own little jazz world, running along, just thinking, yeah, I've got three miles to do, three miles to do, three miles to do. I've known, I know I've hit my target, I know I've hit my fundraising target, this is all good. And, uh, and I looked up at the cloud, and maybe i just was hallucinating i don't know but to me the clouds was in the shape of yoda um from star wars so i looked at this cloud and i was just like oh there's the pointy ears there's the there's the head there's there's in fact there's two eyes because the previous blog which i'd written was called do or do not there is no try and um and i just thought well yeah yoda's there so wishing you well that's just where i was maybe i was just I don't think I was dehydrated, <laughs> but maybe I was, you know, maybe I was seeing things. But I stopped to take a photograph of that. Sorry, let's bring that on you. People are going to think that we have <laughs> set that up. Oh, let's bring Jez in now. But Jez, you have just literally joined the call because you've been working. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've not even taken my jacket off properly. <laughs> I've just come in and said, "Hey, babe, um, the lads are upstairs." But what I do have with me, I, I didn't want to preempt it. I didn't want to be the only one, and I was aware it's um, a school night. But um, I've, I've got a beer with me because um, I haven't opened it yet. But yeah, because it's a party, and I assumed Craig would have. Um, so um, <laughs> no offence. Oh. <laughs> are you all um are you, are you all enjoying yourselves on this birthday celebration we are we are um so when you say you've um haven't quite taken your jacket off properly have you got like one arm in and one arm out <laughs> that's true no no i just yeah there you go there's the zip so uh yeah i'm, I'm all right now yeah it's just um already just sat down with you guys in a virtual environment i got a smile on my face and um yeah it's all good jez, jez yeah skywalker um, what have you taken from it this year? What have you enjoyed doing? And mate, actually, it's it's been a real eye opener. And I hope I'm not going over any old ground of what you guys have already said, but just the book stuff. You know, it's made me more interested now in in um, sort of Thrawn series and everything like that. And then jumping around all over the place, I'm still looking at tiki stuff on eBay. Thanks, Craig. I was looking at some Star Wars beers. There's a new one which has just come out from the uh, Stormtrooper Beer Company. There um, is, yeah. yeah. Again, thanks, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the beer tasting stuff, but just you know, even though I've only participated in a few of them, you know, listening to every single one, it's just it's been really, really interesting. And and you guys have really broadened my mind with regards to the modern stuff as well. I, I've loved working with Grant and Stu. And again, back again with with Mark and then bringing Craig into the fold and his expertise and, and Dan's passion and knowledge for the new stuff. I think, you know, it's, it's been great to be a participant of this journey. And I think you guys have got such a collective gathering of intellect with regards to the Star Wars world. For me, you know, with the podcast TVR, which we've been involved with in the past, it was all about the vintage, but it's just so broad. It's just like you've you've taken the reins off now and, and you guys, you've, uh, yeah, I'm just thoroughly impressed with what you're able to knock out in the content, not just from a podcast point of view, but now, you know, all the YouTube and then the enhancements and the quality of the website. I could go on forever. You guys have knocked it out of the park in this last year. Congratulations. Yeah, we'll have to get you on more often. 
<laughs> so, cracking on, Jez. Nice to have you with us. Yeah, Open your beer. Absolutely. Yeah, all right. Then. Okay. Beer show two is on the way, Jez. Oh, amazing. Um, boys, we, we've we've gone through what we've done, but and um, I've just said I'd love to do another book month. Do it in September again. Different types of shows. Craig has already alluded a second beer show. Revisit that. I've already said about a follow up to the diecast. What else do you think we will be doing in the second year? I know we've just already said we're going to have to follow up on the reproduction debate because of the amount of feedback and comments we've got on it. So what would what, what do we all want to see? What do we all fancy doing? I would really like to do a um, Star Wars music show. Uh, so covering soundtracks, not just John Williams stuff, but also music from The Mandalorian and um, just discovering the different sounds musically Star Wars. So some of the live events, the live uh, concerts. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's what I'd like to do next, I think. I think that's something you're quite passionate about as well, Jez, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there have been some incredible podcasts out there. I mean, can you imagine movies without the music? You, you just couldn't, could you? Um, it's it's definitely one which we should uh, look to do, but it's not something which we can just throw together. A lot of research involved for that, just to do it credit. And um, yeah, it's something I would really, really like to participate in. Dan, anywhere you would like us to go? I think I mentioned the 90s. I think definitely, I mean, I bought the... Um... Is it the ex the executor box set, the big video box set a few weeks ago, and I was I bought it with the intention of probably selling it on, but I'd, I'd never had one in hand. It's amazing, and it just got me thinking about all the stuff from back in the nineties around that time and where I was at, at you know at certain points when things were released, and I think it'd be a real good um, bit of a nostalgia fest. Now it's that far, it's that long ago. We'd have a we'd have a we'd have a bit of a hoot going through some of the stuff that happened back then, and also commentaries. That 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 holiday special commentary we did that was great fun recording that and we should definitely uh, we should find something else to uh, commentate on. I mean, Mark, do you you want to relive the nineties, don't you? Sitting in your pants playing N sixty four. I mean, we've already discovered that tonight. Well, yeah, what what a, what a beautiful image that is for everybody to be uh, left with. Well, Dan wants to revisit that moment. That's that's oh. sparked him tonight. <laughs> Dan, you're welcome around any time, mate. I'll give you a, a a first hand account of it. Craig, you've come up with some of the the interesting concepts this year. You're often outside of the box. What have you got exciting for us? Well, I'm looking at we, you now. Before we talk about that, there are a couple of things that we that we started but didn't make good on. So <laughs> I just want to put these back on the table. So the first one was the idea of small space collections. So right back at the start of lockdown, we were seeing a lot of big collections showcased from the uh, collecting friends in in the United States who had big sellers and big uh, big spaces to have large collections. And we did do a call out for people particularly in uh, in the uk who didn't have that real estate and we did we, we got some good feedback we got some good uh, uh some good uh, contacts and we got some and i think you might have recorded some interviews Stuart. did you, did you i yeah. have i got um a few people who had shared their collections with us to just record a few bits to why they collect like that because some of those collections are incredible there was the one chap i can't think of his name off the top of my head but he'd only got a top shelf in a wardrobe and he'd got like four deep mocks. So he would rotate them around because that was only the space he'd got. That he was allowed to have to, to display that, which which was incredible. You know, he had some lovely pieces in there. Just having the one shelf and that is is fascinating to me. And I think he recorded something. 
why that's the case and so i think we should revisit that and uh, and celebrate that because i think we can all relate we can all relate to that uh, and the other thing that you know got brought up and never mentioned again was was mark's hoff echo based diorama so it'd be good to <laughs> check with mark and, <laughs> and update on that i've almost <laughs> finished it excellent i've excellent. almost finished it and, and what will also surprise you is i've filmed every step and away on it wow <laughs> I've, I've edited the whole thing myself Wow. ready to put up on the Gen Sky page thing. Page. Well, I hope nothing happens to that style, Mark. <laughs> I was going to say, is that going to happen after you finish building your cantina Lego? No, no well, that, that, that's on the back burner at the moment. I've, I've got, you know, priorities. This, this has taken priority over everything at the moment. Sorry, being the second most creative? Uh, I'm slightly disappointed with the second most creative effect, to be honest with you. Slightly disappointed, but let's not dwell on that. I'd like to see a really good Dagobah one, complete with proper water, stinking swamp water, <laughs> maybe even some baby newts in there, just to really bring it alive, literally. And I'd want a sort of pneumatic X-Wing that could rise and lower out the swamp. Yeah, that'd be cool. An echo base interior done like you know you do those worm farms where you see it from the um from the top to the bottom and you can see all the tunnels and all the interconnecting rooms and stuff do something like that sort of etched into some polystyrene so all the sort of command center and the medical bay and all that is joined up and on different floors i think that would be quite cool well, I, I believe I actually replied to the poll, or at least I did, did some interaction on Instagram with regard to this, and Mark did get my vote. I <laughs> wanted to see the, the, the Hoff the Hoth diorama built. This is a pretty fix, this is. So there we have it then, Mark. So you're going to build Echo Base in a kind of ant farm, wormery time of, of display. If you can like do a like a time-lapse video as you go, and perhaps we'll release the video off, say, Christmas Eve. Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, a little treat there, and I know Mark won't let us down. Definitely got the most time on his hands out of everyone I know. Thanks, boys. Yeah, so I do. I do have some things planned. I've got a, a couple of ideas for blogs, which I'll, I'll talk about a bit nearer the time I've got them completed. But I've been. I'm speaking to some interesting people about interviews. We've we've spoken about tonight about how we want to broaden it out, um, and I've got sort of a few people that I'm you know sort of down the line with in terms of trying to set up times and and things to get to get those interviews in. So look out for those. This is you know me interviewing people is a new thing. It's usually Stuart who leads on that. So I'm looking forward to um to doing a bit of that um, and bringing something a bit different to the table jess any kind of shows which i mean we just said the sounds and whatnot but um i know that you're really interested in the footwear (laughs) the footwear from the movies i think you said to me once (laughs) i think i haven't said that to you what are we segueing into here no we spoke about music for sure but also from you know ben burt's soundtrack point of view just I would love to do a little bit of analysis or, you know, you could even just talk to people about the various sound effects things. I know that that's an easy one. That's just a, you know, a standalone, but then going on to other specials, you know, I think it'd be great to, and this isn't a running stormtrooper thing, but the whole cosplay world, you know, you see it now it's huge. It was huge when we went to fax and remember the fantastic time, which we had going off the fax, but you see 
Craig, you know, your experience of the cosplay world is huge. You know, the, the competitions which we have at celebrations, be it from human cosplays to some of the more intricate machines, you know, the loaders and stuff like that, which we've seen, I think, to to learn more about cosplay. When we had, um, Stu, we, we had uh, Steve Buckley on the Run and Stormtrooper podcast, who is from the UK garrison, who said that he would absolutely love to come on and, uh, you know, enlighten us on that world uh, of cosplay, I think would be fantastic. You know, uh, and a, a massive part of the Star Wars culture law is lightsabers and uh you know we, we <laughs> there's so much to talk about there from the very basic first lightsaber which you saw in episode four to dark sabers you know and so there are so many things now that you know that as i say the shackles are off that we can really go into one thing in which i spoke to grant about was trailer analysis and looking at trailers if we think now about the hype and how beside ourselves we were when we you know as adults saw um, the episode one trailer, you know, I can picture it now. My goodness, I, I wore out that VHS, which had the uh, Jewel of Fates on, uh, but the, the trailer itself. And then the Chewie were home moment from, uh, you know, episode seven. The trailers have, have fueled and made our Star Wars fandom even more so. Yeah, and then you look at that and you contrast it with the original trailers, which, you know, from a different time of episode four and five or four mainly. I, I think having a look back and commentary analysis of the trailers would, would be a bit of fun. There are so many things which we can do. It's just um, we've got the passion. We've got the inclination. It's just finding the time to do it. Yeah, some great suggestions there. And obviously you also told me about doing a whole show about um, people related to Star Wars who have got two first names. Like you just brought one up, like Ben Burt. Um, I think you suggested Jake Lloyd and Anthony Daniels and Rusty Goff. <laughs> But I'm not quite sure whether that kind of show has got legs, mate. But maybe you can, if you come up with a plan, we can look at that as well. Yeah, sounds great. Do you sit in your van at work, Stu, and think of all of those lines? Or did that just come, did it just come to you? Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm a bit like Craig, actually. I've got quite, I've got a little notebook full of all sorts of ideas. But um, I've started three blogs and never finished them because I'm normally editing or something. So it's not, I need to get back in that mindset like um, and smash some of them out. Yeah, so that's a great, great suggestions. <laughs> Hey Generation Skywalker, it's Andy Spoons here. Happy first birthday. An amazing achievement for an amazing show. I'm sure we've got many more years ahead of you. Happy birthday! Also, visuals. First of all, we started off just with the enhanced shows, and since then you've added unboxing videos and Skywalker Blasts. Is there any, any more scope that we'll be doing other things as well, Craig? I mean, you can't really do an unboxing of a vintage toy, can you? I suppose you can. But sometimes I do think to myself, maybe it'd be nice to see a review of something. Yeah. I mean, unboxings are easy and they're little, they're short bits. They add something to the conversations we've had. I think it's particularly on the modern show because you are showing people what you get in the package and you don't need to have spent a lot of time with it to go, oh, that's nice. (laughs) It's what I was expecting or it's not what I was expecting. You know, we can take it to the next level and do some proper reviews and it would sit quite comfortably alongside the unboxings. I think the Skywalker Blasts, they are more a 
retrospective cherry pick of the things we've done um you know we put a lot of time and effort into this and you know there's there's that fear that that some of it might get lost so the the skywalker blasts are a way of just pulling it out and and repackaging it for maybe a different audience or somebody who's searching for something specifically we can we can put the keywords around it so if you are looking for chinese bootleg comics which is a bad example because that was one of the uh one of the shows we hadn't enhanced but i might go back and do that i might go back and, and put some images around that recording but i think it, that stuff we can just keep doing alongside our regular uh, output but yeah i i'm sure everything will just just grow and change and you know i think we'll we'll talk about events in a minute and i think that'll be the next level for us so yeah so obviously we've already mentioned blogs as well i mean they'll keep coming the more we uh, more we grow and stuff but events i mean we've already spoken about that we launched this during a, a pandemic year we've been in lockdown there has been no events i think the last event some of us attended together was farthest from christmas 2019 it feels like a lifetime ago i mean that was always something we spoke about was doing shows or videos from events road trips as a team to places Craig, I'm going to come back to you. I mean, what kind of things can do you think we could do? I mean, I know we've we've discussed a, a, a team visit to Skellig, for example. One of the ideas right back at the start, I mean, we were brainstorming this, was the, was the charity shop shuffle, yeah. um, which was such a wonderful idea. I might not go into detail about that because we might revisit that, and that might be something that we can uh, we we can showcase down the line. But I think yeah, when we're out and about and we are we are free to roam the land. We can do things like show reports. We can do things like, you know, store special events. They're launching a new Lego set. And, you know, we, I know people out there who queue for Lego. So we can just tell them to film it and we will have that content. But none of that's happening. We are limited to to that kind of activity. Uh, but I think when that does kick in, our social channels will come into their own. So if you are not following us on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, get on it because I think that's going to be a real platform for some of that stuff. We can do it in the moment. We can be there. We can be we can be live. We can walk the floor of Echo. We can we can uh, we can be on a night out at um, at Father's Farm and you can see who's in the pub with us. I mean that's that's as that's as real and as as grassroots as uh, as it gets really. So I think it will open up new avenues once we can get out and about and and you know hang out with each other again definitely be a live video from my uh, my garage opening with the tiki bar yep. generation skywalker get together yeah just just the barman whole, whole world is invited <laughs> yeah so lots and lots of ideas and um hopefully the events i'm pretty sure echo will be on in october there's one to look forward to a tiki bar opening will be before that as well so uh, we will be getting together it will be fun Craig, I'm going to come back to you. You you already mentioned it earlier in a new social media platform that people can get involved in. Yes. So Facebook is a is a is a funny one. We we set up our our Facebook page as a as an entity as a as a business if you like because that's the best way for us to um, see what's going on analyze what's going on it gives us a lot of tools to put content out there but what that does do and what facebook likes to do is because that's the way we're set up is, is sort of penalizes a little in a little way you know they, they see us as a business and somebody who should pay for the privilege of having our content seen so you know while our social media is quite healthy facebook sometimes i think suffers from not getting into people's feeds quite as much as it is 
it maybe should. So what we are going to do is launch a Generation Skywalker Facebook community group. That's a, a closed group that yeah, anyone's welcome, but it's a, it's where we can all hang out, get together. And um, if something's going on, it will be better publicized in people's feeds. Um, so we can hopefully have longer and deeper conversations about the things that we talk about and indeed the things that the listeners and the followers want to talk about. And it's also hopefully going to be a place where we can see the trends gauge the things that people are interested in so in some ways the listeners can inform what we talk about and it becomes a more of a two-way thing rather than us just producing stuff and, and spitting it out there so in the next week or so or as we launch this you might have had invites already but get involved come and join the group and we'll get some conversations going and we'll all hang out and have a wonderful time i i just think that sometimes like the reproduction debate i mean our feedback's been all over the place but it would have been great to have had an actual discussion with all the different types of people in one thread wouldn't it a number of us are admins on other facebook groups uh, and it's a, it's a good place to to have these like i say longer and more in-depth uh, conversations rather than you know a twitter exchange that will fizzle out after a few uh, a few messages so um hopefully hopefully it'll it'll give us the step change uh, across the social media that um that we'd like it's just been a great year, isn't it? It's really, um, I think we spoke about the pandemic at, at the start and getting through all of that. You know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel now and, you know, happier days ahead. But, you know, with this show and, and, and taking it forward, I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's the same uh, It's the same view. It's, uh, you know, brighter days ahead. Exciting times. Yeah. And we've got a movie on the horizon, which is a cross between Top Gun and X-Wings. That's <laughs> going to be amazing. But you've probably already discussed that. You should probably to be an extra. I could. Uh, I, I should. Uh, maybe I have. I should, you know, NDAs and stuff. No, uh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be the business. Yeah, it'd be all right if they give you a um, helmeted character. <laughs> Six what, hours what, what, in what, makeup. Like an X-Wing pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, because you can still see the face. Yeah. Tie <laughs> fight pilot then. <laughs> So once again, a massive, massive thank you to everyone who is supporting us and listening to us. If you are listening, please, 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 Apple Podcasts, a review and a click on that five stars. That, that does really help us move up the charts on Apple to be more noticed. So that, that's the one thing we could ask our listeners to do. But make sure you check us out on our social media. I mean, it's already been discussed tonight. We can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by searching Generation Skywalker. Over on YouTube, Generation Skywalker, find all those videos that we've spoken about tonight. Um, go to any of your podcast providers. Obviously, we, we use Podbean as our main base, but you will find us on anything, any way you want to use it. Just again, search for Generation Skywalker. If you've got an Alexa, just say, Alexa, play Generation Skywalker. That will make sure that that will come through as well. And you can shuffle through our playlists on there. And obviously, the best place to go to is really the yeah, website. It has had a bit of a bit of a facelift recently. Just head over to www.generationskywalker.com. You'll find links to everything. And of course, the blogs are also over there. And make sure you check out Facebook, like Craig's already said, that new Facebook group. Discuss anything you want. Share pictures, share your collections, anything. We want to see everything. We want it to be a proper community group where everyone just gets involved. So, um keep an eye out for that and boys any last words not really just echo the thank you it's uh it's why we're here um and if we're doing things great we love to hear about it if we're doing things wrong we want to hear about that too so yeah give us give us your feedback yeah definitely feedback that's a 
that's a great great shout you know we've all said what we hope to do in the future what we want to do be it you know another beer one or, or music or what have you but it'd be really interesting to know if our listeners have got any ideas or if there's anything that our listeners think hey what about this or have you even seen this why don't you look into this a little bit more yeah just offer it up to the listeners that what do you want for the rest of 2021 great point Jess. and the same goes we've already mentioned it earlier if you want to be a guest on the show or come and do an interview or maybe join a different one of the podcasts, maybe you have a, a love for modern. Perhaps you would like to put yourself forward as a, a guest host one month. We're always open to anything. Always good to have people coming on the show. Well, boys, congratulations. Massive thank you. Everyone's worked so hard. It's been an absolute joy this year. I mean, no stress of it. When times have got busy, you can just stop. It's, it's been lovely. I mean, have, a, have really enjoyed the new setup. But it is for the first year. Uh, good night from Mark. Good night. <laughs> Good night from Daniel. Good night. He lands like he's gone over the other side of the room. Good night from Craig. Happy birthday and good night. And it is good night from Jez. Lovely for you to join us, Jez. There. Oh, lovely to be down. Uh, lovely to be joined. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. And uh, good night. And it is uh, good night from me. And thank you all once again for your Generation Skywalker. Bye.